0: at some point somebody will come up with a tab proof computer at least to sell it like you can have a million tabs <laughs> and the computer will
1: work flawless no because i recognize that it's a sickness of mine i would but not you can't buy that computer you, you, that, that, that would be a selling point you're like oh they got one of those finally i'm about to turn a corner and fix my problem it, no it would be like i have a drug problem and my worst enemy is like uh i, I got a solution for you it's more drugs we are Abe Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that can currently, somewhat dubiously, maybe claim to be experiencing exponential growth in its week-to-week paying subscriber base. Join the fun at brainiron.substack.com. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing tonight, Lori?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's how Lori's doing. Tonight is Monday, January 29th, 2024. Happy birthday to friend of the show. Not sure if he still listens. John. Happy birthday, John. Happy
2: birthday, John.
1: Which makes it one day before my birthday, which we don't have to talk about any further.
2: Last day of 40. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. First day of 40.
1: Recording Somehow on a Monday forever. night, this is a podcast that records on Monday nights, though you wouldn't have guessed that based on the last six weeks or so. It's
2: complicated with football and holidays.
1: Abe, I got a bone to pick with you and your, uh, no? your pals over at the Biffler.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't have a bone to pick with them.
1: I'm time. uh. I'm growing a little bit tired here of. Let I me mean, uh, to the to the listener. Let's be honest. This sounds the this podcast sounds like the equal efforts of three people, right? It right. sounds like I am here as one third of the podcast. Abe is there as another third of the podcast. And Lori...
2: I don't think that it sounds like that.
1: But that's just what the brain naturally does. No,
2: I think the brain hears you go on and on and on loudly and knows that this is not an equal threesome.
1: That's gross. Uh, Also, uh, everyone has at their disposal on their devices the button that goes up and down with Mm -hmm. the volume. I'm only as loud as the listener wants me to be.
2: You are supposed to balance that.
1: And that's what I'm saying, is that because I balance how loud I am relative to myself and to everyone else in the podcast, even when I yell, it really doesn't sound that much louder to the listener unless they've suddenly... And seemingly randomly, turned their volume up quite they're loudly.
2: Listening live, to, like I am.
1: Yeah, but you're the only one who does that. Uh, anyway, the point is, is that one could be forgiven for uh, operating under the misapprehension that this is a podcast uh, that is uh, put together equally by three different uh, people doing the inputs. And uh, rest assured, it's not the case. All right, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Lori doesn't do anything for this podcast besides <laughs> sit her ass over there. I keep and, the minutes. And fund the lavish lifestyle that allows me yeah, to... Yeah, and I
2: fund the whole thing. I keep the yeah. minutes by reminding you that there is a clock. and
1: That's not what keeping the minutes means.
2: That's what it is now.
1: The point is, every time I get feedback on this godforsaken podcast that I've devoted so much of my life to uh, these last three years, <laughs> and also uh, for two years back in... Uh, it's about how great Lori is, which is uh, it's good. I mean, I like being told that I have chosen wisely in my uh, life partner and the mother of my children. But it's uh, it it's a little bit punishing over and over again to hear something like the following. Grease ball and filet binium. It is time for the most anticipated oh, segment. Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. What's the... What is the bit? Is a fillet, and there's what the fillet is like
0: a good thing, and grease ball th- is a yes, bad
2: thing. But what's the other thing?
1: A fillet and a grease ball. The whole conceit is lifted from a much more popular podcast, right. correct, Abe?
0: And I'm sure they also lifted
1: it from yeah, someone yeah, to else. To be fair, so, there is no such thing as an original idea. Yeah, Pop Quiz Hot what, right. what you got? Right. So Corey, listener Corey, listener and supporter Corey, wrote in to tell us that Daniel Tosh does a segment on his podcast. Uh, Pop Quiz Hotshot Pop Quiz Hotshot What size shoe am I? 12 What's my waist size? 34 He does a Pop Quiz Hotshot thing On the Daniel Tosh podcast I don't know if it's a recurring bit Or if it's just something that he came up with Off the top of the dome But like uh, what's next, Abe? Are we going to find out that like Kevin Nealon has a fucking podcast where he uh, he has some local newsman who's he does he wants to find out if the guy in his area got off a good one? I will be, I will be fucking furious if, if it if, turns out that that Kevin Nealon does such a bit.
0: If that is actually true, if there's somebody out there that has like a strassman like segment, then you'll know you know we we'll, we'll live in a simulation. Then like the, this is all just a ruse.
1: Anyway. The Biffler lifted its grease ball and fillet from—is it the Breakfast Club? The breakfast people? Club, yes. yeah, yeah, very and popular. Binyam's
0: not stealing, by the way, not my doing.
1: So, so they give out a honorable
2: a, man, obviously.
1: They give out a fillet and then a grease ball every week, and and this was Binyam, your co-host on the Biffler. This yes. was his uh, fillet this past week. Which by the way, a 3 hour goddamn podcast. It took me cuz I'm a busy man now with my the morning press and all the other stuff I have going on in my life. It took me like uh, uh 6 days over the course of like five different listening sessions somehow to power all the way through to the end of this this episode. But quite the reward I was granted when I got into hour 3.
3: <laughs> so I I you know I've been listening to some podcasts and of course our podcast is my favorite and the best podcast. But if you want to listen to a lesser known, not as great podcast, Cast I Iron would Brains. Suggest Cast Iron Brains. I was listening to the podcast. <laughs> oh, you listen to that shit? I oh. was listening to it. You actually are you're you're talking about Cast Iron, actually? I'm actually talking about the Whoa. Cast Iron Brains. Okay.
1: Pause. Hey Mike! Oh, what the fuck, man? You're sitting there on a call with your boy Abe, who is on both podcasts, and you're You're just astonished that someone would listen to Abe on another podcast? Why are you listening to that shit? I don't no. know, man. Give it a spin. Find out. <laughs> Mike is notoriously
0: known in the, in the group. He not only doesn't listen to uh, other podcasts, he won't listen to our own podcast when he's not on it. And also, he will direct people that he knows, if he mentions them, to listen to specific parts of the podcast. Like, don't listen to this three hour monstrosity. Two hours, five minutes in, I say something for like two minutes. Listen Very to it. Very
2: normal. Yeah.
1: To be fair, as I've expressed before, Mike doesn't listen to the podcast when he's currently That's on it. Also and true. it's it's often quite obvious, which is part of the charm. Yeah. To be clear, uh, sure, but yeah. we can't be going on about like what Mike judges worthy to be listening to, considering he's in the room with you guys and not listening <laughs> half the time. Uh, back to the back to Binyam here.
3: So I gotta say that within that, I think that. Um, Lori, Lori is the star of the show, and so right. she's she's the cast iron brain. And then you jackasses, you guys are just there We're talking just about there, some yeah. bullshit. And what the fuck? So first of all, uh, your boy Bob is talking shit about me on this show. He he doesn't realize that I'm fucking listening to his oh,
0: shit. Oh, Bob, That's you sneaky bullshit, devil,
3: motherfucker! So I mean, I was gonna roast his ass, but I'm gonna leave it because he was talking shit about Taylor Swift. Yeah. You know, but then he gave praise to Martin Luther King. You know what I mean? So it's weird white for guilt, me, a white black guilt, guy, you
0: know, trash the white person and praise the so black it's man. It's weird for it's me cuz I
3: was going to I was going to give praise to Taylor Swift and talk shit about Martin Luther King. Oh. He did the opposite. So we kind of just balanced out. Right. But anyway, uh, He's the yin it's, it's to your a, yang, a, it's a, Binyam. It's an interesting podcast. I got to say, uh, fuck you, Bob, you piece of shit. <laughs> you should enjoy. Uh,
1: <laughs> go. He's stop just not there. Like,
2: this is Bin, Binyam, is this person? Binyam, yes. yes. Thank you, Binyam, if yes. you're listening. Thank you. I appreciate your appreciation for me.
1: That's it? That's all you got to say?
2: What else do I need to say? All
1: right. I, I, it's just, this is such a consistent, Thank you? A consistent return that it, it makes me, uh, we should give up. We should get Lori her own fucking show and market the shit out of that because for some reason, Lori is the entire apparent appeal of this, this whole thing. Yeah, right?
2: what I've been saying, it, it like sort of in response to that, but big picture is you should fucking listen to me and let me know what you're doing and get my input. So that's that's it.
0: There was uh, another friend. Uh, they don't have their own podcast or they're not on another podcast. They also, when they listen to an episode of ours— they uh, commented and complimented Lori alone. I think it's like a, a message. It's like, why is that guy talking? Like, oh, enough of him. They do not uh, say that, but you know.
1: Well, I would, I, I would encourage everyone to go listen to uh, The Biffler, but I refuse to even say the name of the podcast correctly. Uh, so uh, good luck finding it. But anyway, no, that was a great deal of fun to listen to the other night when, uh, when I finally.
2: He said, uh-oh, they're talking about you. And I said, well, I am a bitch and I do be, so.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: warning to anyone who's uh, considering listening to the latest episode of The, the Biffler, there's a lot of uh, male grooming stuff in that third hour, so just uh, steer okay. clear.
1: Podcast really, really went off the rails in a way that, uh, I mean, it, it, not to say that it hasn't before. Yes. Uh, but in, a, in in whole new ways.
2: Male grooming stuff.
1: Let's open up the WGAS All right. Newsbag. It's time for who gives a shit news. Haven't opened up the newsbag officially in a in a while now. This might be the first oh, official peek into the WGAS newsbag of the new year. I wanted to talk about this uh, headline New York Times mix up proceeded deadly drone strike in Jordan, US officials say. And this is uh, something that I covered on the morning press. This morning, uh, people will have no doubt heard the story already, but on Sunday, a drone, an unmanned aerial vehicle of some sort, went flying into something called Tower 22, which is a U.S. military outpost in Jordan near the border with Syria, and killed three American service people, all three young African-American men, I think, or maybe...
0: I there was a woman two, involved.
1: Two young men and a woman, perhaps. Doesn't – I mean uh, particulars obviously matter a great deal to the individuals involved, but that's not why I bring it up. Three people were killed. Uh, three dozen more were injured. This happened at night while they were uh, – the, the base was quiet. All these people were asleep in the, in the sleeping quarters, some sort of tent slash barrack – Situation there in the desert, and it was apparently fired by an Iranian-backed militia from Iraq. And suspicions that the Pentagon immediately fell on Kataeb Hezbollah, an Iran-affiliated group in Iraq. It has those footprints, is what the Pentagon spokeswoman said. And then some sort of umbrella organization, whose name escapes me at the moment, and I'm not seeing it here in this article, uh, claimed responsibility for it. Uh, The reason that it was able to, because you would imagine like uh, this pretty common thing that drones are fired at uh, American targets out there in the world. Uh, We have a lot of them uh, as far as uh, available targets. So you would think that we would have uh, sufficient defenses to stop this sort of an attack apparently the reason that this drone was able to slip past those defenses is because it came in at the same time that another US drone was returning from some sort of sortie its own <laughs> reconnaissance mission and just by sheer happenstance and 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 bad luck these two drones came in at roughly the same time and therefore the defenses were down uh, at the base, allowing this enemy drone to come in and explode and and end up killing three people, the Biden administration response has been: uh, Biden said in I think it was in South Carolina on Sunday, he mentioned you know the dead soldiers and and how our hearts are with them or what have you, but also said like uh, the United States is going to respond. Uh, we will do so in a time and place of our choosing. Uh, but rest assured, we're going to respond. Republicans in Congress immediately started calling for fucking all-out war with Iran. Uh, the, yeah,
0: blow everything up kind of thing. The yeah.
1: Lindsey Graham's and I think John Cornyn said something similar to that. And Mike Johnson had a, a fairly aggressive response, which that would be bad, I think. And all, John Kirby, the National Security Council spokesman, said that we know that Iran supports these groups, but we're not looking – for all out war with Iran or something like that. And uh, Blinken said on Monday that he would not telegraph any potential U.S. response, but that such action could be multi leveled, come in stages, and be sustained over time. This is happening at the same time that Iran backed Houthis are bombing ships, including firing at U.S. merchant vessels, commercial vessels, and U.S. Navy vessels in the Red Sea as those vessels patrol. The Gulf of Aden and and parts beyond in the Red Sea, uh, in an attempt to keep commercial shipping safe from Houthi attacks, where they claim that they are trying to show support for the Palestinians and prevent any additional supplies or weaponry from getting to Israel, which is a, a very sort of loose bullshit cover uh, for the pain that they're causing uh, to the right. global shipping industry. Uh, so we've got attacks happening. There at sea, we've got this attack happening at uh, in Jordan. Uh, we had the two uh, non—this wasn't anyone else's doing, but two U.S. Navy SEALs died in an attempt to board a ship off the coast of Somalia that was apparently full of— Iranian missile parts that was on its way to the Houthis in Yemen, and two U.S. Navy SEALs uh, in the in the rough seas that they were experiencing as they attempted to board the ship. Uh, one was uh, tossed into the ocean, and the other, following protocol, dove in after him to try to save his life. And they were both lost at sea and have not yet been recovered. Uh, not to get into the weird like uh, hey I played Rainbow Six when I was 16 years old and also read Tom Clancy novels uh, at a mm-hmm. time and so uh, the movie version of this like well, they didn't have like cool like uh, oxygen nitrogen inflatable packs or something that they just like pull the ripcord and then uh, the, the special not. propellers come out and uh, there's like airbags and propellers and shit and they can survive forever because they're fucking Navy SEALs uh, I, I guess not uh, I guess uh, you fall into a rough ocean you might just die
0: there's uh, no uh n- no plot armor in real life sometimes
1: right you just uh no they, it's a dangerous thing and they just die sometimes so anyway the, the this attack by this iranian backed militia group on a u.s base in jordan is an escalation uh in a way that we haven't seen recently where it's a direct attack on uh, u.s personnel right. At least uh, successful. Like It's not like the Houthis haven't been directly attacking the people in the Red Sea, but this being a successful thing makes it uh, something of an escalation. I I bring this up in the context of, of Lloyd Austin coming back to work today. Uh, which which Lloyd Austin has been out for the last month. He's the defense secretary. Uh, shortly before Christmas, he went into the hospital. We we haven't talked about this. Uh, careful listeners of the Morning Press will have uh, have heard this story before. But Lloyd Austin mysteriously disappeared from work for a little while shortly before Christmas, and then apparently was back. And then again at the start of the year for a few days. Uh, I want to say around January 3rd, January 5th, something like that, he was once again incommunicado with uh, the relevant people at the Pentagon and at the White House and instead his Uh, Top aide was put in charge of all of his responsibilities at a time that she was actually vacationing in Puerto Rico. So she gets a call on the beach like, uh, well, don't worry. You've got all of the relevant laptops and the satellite phone and all of this shit and the secure link to the Pentagon. But just so you know, uh, you're in charge the next couple days just in case anything goes haywire. But that was only communicated to her after Austin was no longer available. This wasn't something that he cleared with her ahead of time. This was just something that uh, became the case after he was in the hospital. And he was in the hospital, as it turns out, having a treatment for colon cancer. He's a a 70-something-year-old man, I believe, and uh, experienced some complications from having had a colon cancer treatment and surgery before Christmas that landed him in the hospital for the better part of a week during the first part of the year. Uh, and I immediately assumed and sort of predicted that Lloyd Austin was going to be out of a job because of right. what had happened. This is a at a, at a time of, of much increased uh, concern about uh, national security and the fact that there are American uh, military positions, like we're in an active hot war in many ways uh, out there in the Middle East, and not to mention everything going on in Ukraine. It seems to me obvious that someone who failed to disclose to uh, people at the Pentagon and then also people at the White House that uh he was going to be out of touch for a few days even if ultimately the worst thing didn't happen like that that is something that is a, a breakdown in communication and a failure yeah. to properly communicate what's going on with you that would result in you not being able to do that job anymore like sure. and that seemed super obvious to me And I was surprised uh, to see that he had simply returned to work this week and also to have not really heard anything about it the last couple of weeks. Are you surprised that Lloyd Austin is still around?
0: I I thought that there would be, I I did not uh, expect that he would lose his job over it. Uh, I I figured there would be some hearing about what happened and how can you not, you know, there's a breakdown in communication. Even the White House didn't know. Like, you you know, one of the arguments that that was raised in. uh, uh, on his behalf, was that this is a private thing and he's a private person and private this, private that. But like, you don't have to like disclose exactly why you're stepping aside, but it's of paramount importance that you let somebody know that you need to be gone for, for a private matter, leave it at that, and let the number two person deal with it. Because like you mentioned, like, it's not like nothing was going around in the world. I mean, there were a lot of things happening, and it, just for optics alone, it gives the appearance that there's no communication between the Defense Department and the White House. Like there's no, they're not in constant contact. I mean, isn't there all this, these attempts to like resolve the hostage situation with Hamas, like there are all these things happening this is the like... most
1: mind-boggling thing about it to me, which is that it took it was it was like two or three days before the White House even knew that right. Lloyd Austin wasn't available. Right, like it, there was that there at in, in, in the beginning of the year, at a time of like heightened military action for the United States military in uh, numerous places all over the globe. Apparently, Lloyd Austin, the, the defense secretary, we're not talking about yes. uh, Pete Buttigieg, yeah, and the, like who's in charge of the trains or whatever right. the fuck. This is the defense secretary. Right. This is a person who is second in charge basically of right. the entire United States military. He only answers to one person. He answers to the commander-in-chief, which is Joe Biden. How is it possible that the White House was completely unaware that Lloyd Austin was not available because he was in the fucking hospital? And what it suggests to me, and this is why I thought it was a done deal that Lloyd Austin was going to be gone, is that you, the, the White House cannot abide the perception yes. that either Joe Biden... Or Lloyd Austin are so completely inconsequential to the goings on with the U.S. military and, right. the, and the and the the international and and foreign affairs of this country that one cannot know that the other is completely unavailable to them, right? right? Like Joe Biden, especially, cannot abide the perception that he's not tapped into what's going on because he is a desperately old man, and like that is that indicates some of the extremity of his age that right. he would not be tapped in to what is going on. So either... Biden is not tapped in, or Austin is so extraneous to the mission that it doesn't matter that he disappears for three days completely out of touch, and the White House doesn't fucking care. So either the White House is communicating, the deep state is real, and none of the figureheads matter, because the administrative state does everything behind the scenes, right? Right. Like, ultimately, it's the number twos and the number threes and the number fives who are all communicating with one another, and the idiots who go in front of the camera and give a speech once every couple of weeks weeks right. uh aren't involved in the day-to-day that's the impression that the joe biden administration wants to wants to have in an election year right. i wouldn't think so and that's why i was so sure that austin was going to be gone but apparently it, it, because of the churn of the news cycle i guess it doesn't fucking well, matter th- th- after that, a week
0: okay th- th- that is th- that is a consideration but also i think the main reason why he's not leaving is because of the timing i mean we're into 2024 either it's a one term presidency and this person just serves out his term or if he wins re-election, Biden, they they, they generally will sh- get a new person in. Usually, there's a high turnover after the first term, where they get in a new Secretary of State, a new Secretary of Defense, and so maybe there just wasn't the appetite to go through a confirmation process this year. I think
1: that well, sure, a confirmation process, but uh, you just you accept that the, the the deputy takes over in the in the meantime.
0: Yeah, there will be like an acting role kind of thing. Yeah. The one thing that I am surprised though is that there wasn't. I guess they didn't make as big of a deal out of it by the Republicans. You would think they would pounce on this and they would like insist that he resign and, you know, it looks bad or whatever. Like, But there, there was like maybe like for like a couple of days when this happened, but that kind of died down. I haven't heard anybody really bringing that up again. Um, and, and it seems like, you know, to, to the point as far as like how useless is, Lloyd? you know, uh, the secretary of defense is that the secretary of state and this for some reason the CIA – person they're being utilized a lot they're always being flown to the middle east or to korea or wherever there's trouble to sort things out i think most recently there was a story that i read where the cia guy burns uh, was going to go and finalize a two-month cease fire deal with hamas to where like the hostages are released and i and, and and i do wonder if the The uh, drone strike was related to that, to scuttle that, because that seems to be the M.O. Like anytime there's an agreement, a big agreement within reach, uh, there's always some sort of, you know, I mean, October 7th was like because Saudi Arabia and Israel were on the verge of coming to some agreement. And then now when you have like what, like a two month ceasefire, that would undercut the argument of the Houthis, right? Like, so if they did go through with a ceasefire for a couple of months, then at least for the next couple of months, their argument that they're attacking these ships be, until the ceasefire arrives, it's going to be undone. So I don't know if there's any coordination related to that, but to, to the point, it seems like there are certain uh, uh, departments where the head is important. Like, like Blinken seems to... Be involved in everything. Blinken is in the news every day. Jack Kirby is in the
1: news every single day. Jake Jake Sullivan is in the news every single day. Lloyd Austin can disappear for a week at a time and Joe Biden doesn't fucking know about it. That's the like I I, I can't get past it. If your Secretary of Defense, the number two in the entire military, is out of touch for three days and the president doesn't know and it doesn't fucking matter, then you need a different Secretary of Defense, right? Like Dick imagine Dick Cheney. Disappearing for three days on Ronald Reagan right. or or on uh, right. on, on George uh, H W Bush, rather. Imagine yeah, uh, Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld yeah. being just yeah. gone for a week and nobody finding. Like, right. that's, it's completely inconceivable, right? But 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 there are certain.
0: For I don't know why some de- uh, defense department heads don't do much. I mean, there was like a a couple of them during the Trump years where they they were just kind of there. There was like some geeky looking guy with glasses that was just there. Like, I don't know what he did. Yeah, like, and, In my, he in up my opinion, again.
1: it is too important a job to allow that yeah. to be made so plain as as to then just be like, to shrug when the guy isn't there for a week. And that may, right. maybe that's a personal issue of mine, but the world is a super dangerous place for the United States military right now, and there's a, there's a great deal of shit going on. And it's weird to me that Biden and his campaign in particular would be comfortable with this being the status quo, and, and I'm surprised that he's not been forced out. That's all. Right.
0: The, the only thing I can think of is like, there are so many other things. like It's not going to come to this, right? So like let's, let, let's not pick a fight over this and this well no but he hasn't had that, hardly that he, any
1: uh, uh, high-level cabinet turnover basically none
0: yeah that, that is yeah it's been and it would, be, it would
1: be it would be to me it would demonstrate a little bit of leadership to be like look Lloyd we love you you've had a tremendous career but this was a serious lapse in judgment that we just can't abide because the world is too dangerous a place right now for our uh, uh, men and women who are on the front lines and we welcome your resignation because uh, what a great job you've done but we're gonna Gonna, we're going to go a different direction from here on out like that to me would show leadership by biden in a way that uh, I, I would solve the problem
0: any upside would be very negligible but the downside would be any anything that comes you know like even like this if let's say they they had done that a few weeks ago when this happened like he re- tendered his resignation and he just fucked off and then there was this uh a kamikaze drone or whatever like uh the strike uh they would say, oh, because of the turmoil at the Pentagon or a turmoil at, you know, the, the leadership or whatever, uh, it happened because of this, right? So basically it would give some sort of story to attach that to, and that story would just continue. Like the way it happened, luckily, they just kind of like avoided scrutiny. I don't know. Like I guess so many things are happening. People just kind of just said, ah, fuck it. We'll we'll worry about something else.
1: Is there anything to my uh, suggestion that this sort of reveals the deep state at work that that functionally—and I I say that without—I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. But to me, it matters that the civil servants that we put in charge in the executive branch, the reason that— those are figureheads, or, or 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 not just figureheads. The reason that they uh, exist in the first place is because it's the only way that we can hold these massive administra- uh, executive administrations and bureaucracies accountable. Right? We don't right. know the people who are numbers three through seven at at the right. Defense Department. We know, we Lloyd Austin is there because the person that we elected president. Joe Biden uh, selected him and then he was confirmed. Right. He got a waiver uh, to be able to get the job because he's a former general and this is supposed to go to uh, someone a civilian. Uh, who's a civilian. So he gets a waiver in order to do. I think he needed a waiver. I know that. Uh,
0: I think because the, the, the time did not expire, right? Wasn't there like you have to have been removed from? It's like whatever, seven first, years
1: first, or first, something first. like that. Yeah, and
0: and uh, and they weren't quite there, but it was close right. enough. Right, so
1: no, no big deal. But the point is, is that this person needed the advice. You, you, you needed the consent of the Senate right. in order to get in there. Yeah, and. Uh, this is that is the mechanism that we have in place for for holding these agencies to account, and if we just right. uh, and and that's what bothers me so much about reelecting Joe Biden right now uh, is because as you've said before, this dude is going to be super old in January oh, yeah. of I mean, of twenty twenty nine, right? Like think right. think about that. He's got to make it not to November and then January of this year and yes. next. That's four more years after that that Joe four Biden's going to years be around. Or less.
0: Not not like the years we will experience the next four years, right, just normal people. But, like, these are four presidential years, which you can double.
1: Right. So we're not uh, – to, to imagine that we're electing a president who has uh, – like, even assuming that he's done a halfway decent job of being fully engaged over the course of the last two and a half years, the idea that somehow – this person is going to be a fully engaged daily executive in a way that uh, basically any other president has been in our lifetimes uh, is is ridiculous, right? We're not actually right. electing Joe Biden to be the president in the way that we have imagined the president to be over the course of our lifetimes. We're doing something else. And what that is is we're electing the, the upper echelons of the Democratic administrative state to run the executive of the white house, uh, essentially ceding control to uh, the white house chief of staff and whoever else Biden puts in charge there, you know, not, not just symbolically, but like literally that's the thing that we're going to be doing. And that's not what we agreed to when we put Joe Biden in the, in the white house the first time. And so it's weird to me that we would just go ahead and like, you want to call it the deep state fine, but to me not holding the people that are, uh, that, that we put in charge not holding them to account it robs the people of power in a way that we didn't agree to
0: right and and, and it's likely just i think this lays bare what actually happened but like it's likely that it, this this is happening even when you have a healthy defense department person right like if he was there this whole time but he kind of delegates a lot of the uh actual work it would be the same thing right but but to the to the point you're making about like uh a biden presidency i mean like in 2020, just like now, it's not about Biden. It's about like whether or not people are okay with Trump being president. Right? The, the decisions that people will make will be centered around Trump. Not around by, right. and by the way, list, the same it, exact yeah.
1: criticism applies to the Trump administration. That guy's not the right. fucking president in the way that previous right. presidents were. He's the TV president. He's the he's the right. Twitter president. Instead, we cede right. control to uh, 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 the underlings, the people that he puts in right. charge uh, over there, and the and the people at the upper echelons of the RNC. This it's not a presidency, and that's part of what pushes me away from Trump Uh, in in the same way that it's what drives a lot of normie Republicans to Trump. They're like, okay, he can do whatever the fuck he wants over here. We know that the deep state is actually running the show uh, behind the scenes. I don't know why we've suddenly become so comfortable with that.
0: Although maybe, you know, if if those are the people that like, I would rather that they don't run things, you know, because maybe they would just do further damage. I do wonder, though, like who do you think is, like the most involved of the presidents? Like, was it Clinton? Like, I mean, like at least in the modern era, like it seems like I don't think Reagan was doing a lot of like uh, interacting. That's like, ah, just figure it out. You well, know? except that at least maybe-
1: at least in terms of, so I think that we've. Uh, I don't think I have fully expressed this before, but
2: it's gotta be W.
0: Yeah, W was pretty involved.
1: We've had a shift since. Trump took over, and I, I think arguably it starts with the failure of Barack Obama to meaningfully lead, to meaningfully, and and not to say that it's all on him, because it is in in fact, in part at least, in no small part, on congressional Republicans and their un- unwillingness or inability to convince their voters that working with Obama made sense, and arguably you can go back to. And we'll get into uh James Langford and the immigration uh, deal here in a minute, the border security deal in a second, but go back to uh Gang of eight, go back to Marco Rubio uh, uh trying to get something done on immigration reform under george W. Bush, and the party bowing to its masters in right wing media uh, and and the right. populist uprising uh that was coming out of any attempt to uh meaningfully address. The immigration problem uh, way back when in 20, whatever it was, 2006, 2007, something like that.
0: Oh, going back. Wasn't there another effort in 2013?
1: That's the, right, and that's the Rubio one that I was thinking of. Um, That's
2: what I was saying on Sunday. Didn't Obama do something? And you said what? And I was like, I don't know. Something.
0: Yeah, there was like basically like a deal in hand and it was scuttled because of this concerted effort on the right wing right. talk shows.
1: The point is is that for whatever wherever you want to lay the blame, I think that the Democrats are sort of less interested in having someone like a Bill Clinton who is going to be the leader in the way that uh, leaders lead, right? And it's a very sort... I mean, if, even if you want to uh, get down to the weird, the sort of very simplistic way of thinking about it, uh, uh, right-wingers are more likely to say, put a strong leader out in front and and have him fucking lead in the mold of uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, at least in terms of uh, the rhetoric, right? In the mold of Donald Trump, in terms of the rhetoric. In the mold of fucking Hitler, uh, <laughs> in terms of the rhetoric. Uh, whereas left-wingers, at least... Uh, aesthetically kind of prefer a more uh, communal, uh, it takes a village sort of approach than uh, getting one person out in front and really cheerleading the way through it. And part of that, I suspect, is related to Barack Obama's failure, where the thing that they thought they were electing when they elected Barack Obama, uh, which was this person who was going to lead them to some imagined beautiful post-racial progressive future, turned out to have nothing but sand in the gears uh for the large uh part of his administration. Uh so maybe they lost the faith in that sort of way and Joe Biden is a reaction to that. Joe Biden is just the middle of the road guy who's perfectly willing to be pushed by his party wherever the the whims of the party currently uh are are blowing, right? That that is what that is who Joe Biden has been his entire career. And right. it's weird to me that uh, the same exact thing is going on with the Republicans on the other side, but with this facade, the, the Trumpian facade of, of authoritarian leadership thrown on top of it.
0: It uh, it, it can't be stressed enough how much uh, the incentives have changed. You know, like there was a time where if you were to do a compromise deal, that would be seen as a positive thing. And now that's not the case, you know, like. So it doesn't matter what a president's willingness is. If if it's against the interest of the other party, they will see to it that they won't give you any wins, right? Just like you know we have now with uh, uh, Biden, like you kind of had with Trump, uh, especially what you had with uh, Obama during the Tea Party movement and all that stuff. There was just basically like don't give him any wins, right? And so like, it's kind of hard to navigate that environment and compare it to a different time where it was – a positive thing to do some sort of compromise
1: on that note this is james langford oklahoma senator appearing on fox news sunday this weekend james langford i'm sure i've said bad things about him in the past because he's uh he's always annoyed me but like leave it to somebody just trying to get something done like just working to try to accomplish right. a a rational goal for my sympathies to suddenly align with that individual. Like, the, the moment he goes from uh, being the rhetorical nut job who's unwilling to say anything bad about Donald Trump to, like, can't we just do a thing? Like, here's a thing, and we can do it. And everybody's like, uh, no, we're definitely not going to do that.
2: Okay, President Biden spoke at this uh, about this last night on a campaign rally, and he said, essentially, if the bill were law today, it would shut down the border right now and fix, uh, fix this whole thing. So a lot of Republicans are saying he has things he could use now, executive powers and laws that are not being enforced. So why give him this in an election year, the cover of this deal that, you know, uh, uh, critics say it's still going to let a lot of people in, but he gets to take a victory lap that he's gotten something done.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, it's definitely not going to let a bunch of people in. It's focused on actually turning people around on it. It is interesting. Republicans four months ago would not give funding for Ukraine for Israel and for our southern border because we demanded changes in policy so we actually locked arms together and said we're not going to give you money for this we want a change in law and now it's interesting a few months later when we're finally getting to the end they're like oh just kidding i actually don't want a change in law because it's a presidential election year we all have an oath to the constitution and we have a commitment to say we're going to do whatever we can to be able to secure the border just as a quick for instance the last 4 months we've had 50 I'll stop it there that's picture. not a democrat saying that quote, right? That's James Lankford, Republican from Oklahoma.
2: General Hux from New Star Wars. He
1: doesn't not look like that guy. You're right about that. Uh, Four months ago, me and all of my Republican colleagues were like, we're not going to do this, uh, uh, Israel and Ukraine aid, unless we come up with some border legislation. And then they come up with some border legislation that Republicans are for in the Senate and the Republicans are, are now moving the can further down the road saying, ah, no, just kidding. They're Lucy with the football uh, pulling the deal away at the last moment just to benefit Donald Trump and to harm Democratic interests in, a, in an election year. Uh, that's the Republican James Langford saying that. I don't know how you can argue with it either.
0: And, I mean, it it, it would be an effective thing, right? Basically deny them the win, like, I mean, a totally cynical ploy, uh, and and, and it's no surprise that Trump is behind this. Um, But most people are not going to pay attention to exactly how it transpired, right? So most people are going to say, oh, I keep on seeing it on the news, all this southern border stuff, and nothing's happening, and the guy in office is not doing anything, and that the decisions will be made on that. It's kind of like the deny Obama the Merrick Garland thing. There was no cost to pay. Like it it worked. was reminding like this
2: me of that, too.
0: Hold off, and then if the election goes our way, then we'll get our own person, right? And so it's like, with this, like don't do anything but this until is, This is what drives win.
1: me crazy about it, which is that, uh, first of all, there is a real world where where the failure to do something here actually has negative real world consequences right so uh if you but but beyond that the fact is giving biden the win quote unquote is utterly meaningless to anyone who would be Concerned about such things because the the swayable voter in this instance doesn't exist. Ted Cruz and Mike Johnson are going to continue and and Greg Abbott are going to continue to bang the same drum no matter what. And it doesn't matter how believable it is because they're only talking to 25 to 40 percent of the population in the same way that whether or not Joe Biden gets the win here, he's just going to bang the same drum. No matter what, and it won't be persuasive to anyone because he's only talking to 25 to 40 percent of the population. So we need the James Lankfords of the world in the Senate to actually get something done that has a meaningful impact on the, uh, on the reality of the world on the ground. Or else, it really matters that we have these. I'm doing a, a poor job of explaining uh, what what my problem is here. I think, but it's it's okay. No, it's okay to have a situation where we all just play politics and talk to the uh, our respective bases, and never the, the the two shall meet in the middle, right? Like that. It's it, if we're going to be divided in this way, in, in in our ideological bubbles, in the way that we are, that's fine, as long as Paul Ryan is is in there uh, in. The, in the inner workings, actually working to get stuff done, right? Actually keeping the lights on in the government. Uh, and it's fine to play the stupid rhetorical bullshit bomb-throwing shit on Fox News and on, uh, at the White House press briefing room. Uh, uh, by all means, have at it. It doesn't matter. But you have to then also somehow find a way to actually get the work of government done in the meantime. Because it doesn't matter. They're all going to be. They're all going to be uh, saying the same thing, no matter what, whether the thing gets, gets passed or not. And it doesn't. Gonna, and I know you're going to say, uh, "Forgive me for for putting words in your mouth." You're going <laughs> to say, "Yes, but then Biden can say X, Y, and Z, and then Trump can say X, Y, and Z." It doesn't fucking matter. Nobody. There. There are. This is Donald Trump. The bet is made. The concrete was poured in in 2015, and if it wasn't set by 2016, it was set and cured by 2020. And then it was it was fucking double triple uh, cured on January sixth of of twenty twenty one right like the, the 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 floor and the ceiling are fully established here we are at we are we are at complete loggerheads in every uh, rhetorical fashion it doesn't fucking matter we need to be able to get stuff like this done under the table
0: okay so in the real world you would be correct right but the in in the political world they're trying to win right the the, the 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 whole objective is to win right and you said okay oh that's Biden... like trying
1: to control that's like trying to control the climate by by ha- by having a weather forecast it's like it's like trying to control for a uh, a weather forecast 6 months from now it's absurd right, right. for, for... that it's it's absurd for them to imagine right. that they're going to have any impact on any of it
0: okay let me just finish the point, Bob. <laughs> just let, I, I know it's only a few seconds, but let me finish the point. So at the end of the day, you need to have these campaign ads, right? And 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 thinking on the Democratic side, there would be a lot of abortion stuff, right? They took away your abortion. What else are they going to take, right? This this loss aversion. They're gonna they're gonna. Tap into that heavily on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, hey, vote for me and I'll do this, right? The tax cut has already been passed, so they're not going to talk about that. Like, what is the the most salient issue they can point to? And it'll be the southern border. This old man Biden has fucking let the whole southern border just completely open, and you put me in office and I'll sort it out, right? That'll be the argument that'll be in all of the ads going into the fall, right? Throughout the whole thing, so why give that up now? Like a year. They're not year? because
1: they're not giving anything up. They if could. they, were to, okay, they, so, okay, th- they so could they, do this, they and they could still they could still run all of the border Biden how, okay, ad, the, okay, the Biden border me. ads that they wanted. Right, but to.
0: explain that to me.
1: In order for this to
0: pass, to get to the president's desk. Like the Speaker of the House, the Republicans, will have to sign off on it, right? They bring it to the floor and get it to vote. The Senate get it all sorted out, get the language right, send it to the president, there's gonna be a bipartisan Langford's gonna be there, all these people, that's their campaign ad, right? So all of the money that the Democrats have. Right. So okay, so okay, let's say that let's dismiss that. That doesn't mean anything. Okay, so now you're on, on the Republican side. What are you what is it what is your pitch? Like, we're going to do it even harder next year? We're going to do another in 20, border deal? In
1: 2019, uh, Donald Trump had control of the border, and in 2024, Joe Biden doesn't, and that's reflected in all of these scary brown faces that we're going to show you in this commercial. Is it true? Is it in good faith? Right. Nope. And nope. And it doesn't fucking matter because that's the politics we're in now. I will, I will, I will point to okay. something. I will, I will point to something from this week, right. which is that the economy and Joe Biden's approval rating apparently have been inextricably tied for the last three years. Right? Okay. That's what we're. That's what we're meant to understand about part of the reason why this is in. This is in thousands of news stories that you've heard or read since right. the beginning of 2021. That. Inflation and the Biden economy have been bad, and that's why Joe Biden has never, uh, since summer of 2021, has never had an above-water approval rating. He's, and he's currently hovering at literally below Donald Trump levels at right. this point in the presidency, right? Like, it took a global pandemic to knock Donald Trump down to as bad an approval rating as Joe Biden has. And uh, we're now seeing— Not only is the economy humming along uh, uh, better than expected in terms of GDP growth and in terms of uh, reduction in inflation after a rather punishing last couple of years, we're now seeing uh, public opinion on the economy finally start to turn around as well. And we're seeing zero movement whatsoever on Joe Biden's approval, it, it it means utterly nothing about the economy because those two things exist in right. different parts of people's brains. In the same way that an immigration reform thing gets tied in with Ukraine and and Israel aid, does not stop Bob Good, my piece of shit congressman, from running the exact same ads that he was going to run anyway about uh, runaway insecurity at the border and runaway spending in Washington. And how we need to throw the bums out, right? It it won't materially change anything about the plan. It will, however, failure to get anything done, have a a materially negative impact on Ukraine's ability to withstand Russian aggression and on Israel's ability to uh, maintain itself in the Middle East and on our ability uh, to have a a safe border. So what's the fucking problem here?
0: What is the political advantage for Republicans who only care about winning— to pass this, deal. they what don't is...
1: only care about winning. They, yeah, they, they would, ra- they would, they they would rather else? they, they would rather be in the in the minority right now. That's something else that that I think is fairly obvious. They, there is no advantage whatsoever to Mike Johnson being the Speaker of the House uh, uh, beyond being able to throw sand in the gears because he can't actually get anything done. They don't want to govern. They want to be a pain in the ass to the governing coalition. Right. That's the point of the modern Trump conservative movement at this point. And, and uh, that's why it's perfectly fine uh, for them to allow the rhinos in Washington to shove this thing through and then campaign against it. But that's
0: it. not what's happening. I mean, the, why, why is there all this uh, this pushback where basically now the speaker is saying that this is dead on arrival and, like, all, all of the momentum is kind of shifted because, like, initially I would hear – let's wait until we see what's in the bill blah 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 but even before they got to the the details of the bill they were like oh no 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 the you know our nominee doesn't want it so fuck it like so now it seems like they don't want it and so to me like that to me sounds like a move for political purpose you know so they can win this fall, on this issue. The, right. the and state I'm, of all, Texas... I'm, I'm,
1: I'm saying I 100% agree with you that this what? is simply an attempt to play politics with the border, which should offend the shit out of the people who are most concerned about border security, right? Like, obviously that should offend those people the most. But the reality is that uh, it's just a stupid rhetorical game after all, right? The, the, the whole thing is a fucking fake to begin with. So what are we doing here? Like, uh, just past the fucking bill and then you can play your stupid rhetorical games
0: what do you what do you make of uh, biden like uh just kind of like just uh wrapping his arms around the deal uh enthusiastically would it have been better for him to play like oh my god we're conceding so much kind of like give him like the optics win like to say ah this is fucking draconian but Whatever you know, whatever. How does
1: the president say this is <laughs> draconian and then sign it? Uh, it seems
0: unlikely. Use other words but you know, like, because, like, for him to, you know, for him to like embrace it the way he did, like, it would be seen as a Biden win. I, I, I really do think it comes down to that simple way of framing things. I mean, like, the state of Texas and all the other states that joined them in that bizarre uh, thing last week. I think,
1: yeah, I think the problem is that. I no longer see the Republicans and Trump especially and then everything that flows from Trump. As cohering to anything rational from the five well, words that hasn't. they said before, right? So why do we why do we continue to pretend like they're going to operate in a coherent fashion? I
2: think you're the only one pretending that.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. Abe is Th- Abe is presenting this argument as though it would just be completely fucking ridiculous for Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and Mike Johnson to go on to say after they passed this bill, after they sent it to uh, uh, the Rose Garden for the big elaborate signing ceremony. For them to say – to condemn Joe Biden and his handling that of the border. That would be incoherent. I mean, they of course just... it would be incoherent, Abe. How, where have you been for the last 10 know, years? What, what, it's all but... incoherent. Look,
0: if, if they didn't have uh, a say, like if there wasn't a way for them to, uh, f- to frustrate the efforts and prevent this from happening and it happened, they would still make the case like you're saying. But why would they contribute to something that doesn't give them any advantage politically? It's a much stronger case to make if there's no deal. And, 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 and say that the president you actually only need, has the only authority. You only need 10
1: Republicans. All you need is for Mike Johnson to bring it to the House floor. Right, but that's, that's all that's you one, need to right? do because there will be 100 Republicans who say, OK, right. I'm for it. But that's, that's the problem the though,
0: right? I mean like, well, I mean, Mike Johnson is not going to bring it to the floor if, if, it, if, if, it, if, it, if it's not coordinated in, in such a way, right? So he's not going to bring it to the floor if the, the word is don't do this. Right. And so, like, to me, like, I just don't know what the. Donald Trump isn't
1: anyone. He's just a citizen. He doesn't have any control over the workings of the House of Representatives. He is
0: demonstrating the control, right? I mean, if it weren't for him, wouldn't this just pass? Like, I don't think Johnson has any, like, he just don't want to get into trouble with uh, Trump's base. But, like, if Trump was neutral on this, or if somehow he was actually for it, this would pass like i mean the power rests with him i mean like, what do you mean it's, he's the one directing all this activity and it worked right. once and it's so why not do it again
1: it's a goddamn shame that he has that sort of power because he doesn't actually have any of that power they're just giving it to him they right. they just here have the power he has no rightful claim to it Last thing in the Wgas news bag here is uh, a headline from Reuters: Pope says Africans are special case when it comes to LGBT blessings. And I, it's what? Just, this amused me uh, the, in the in a, in a the soft bigotry of low expectations oh, no, sort of way. Oh no, that's not
0: what I think it is he's he's setting a lower standard
1: a few weeks ago pope francis uh uh gave some sort of i forget the it, it wasn't an encyclical but it was uh it was some sort of guidance that said uh hey you priests out there if you want to do blessings of gay marriages uh just like every other rotten thing that we bless in this in this fallen world uh, go ahead. It makes people feel good. Uh, it's not a sacrament. It's just one more thing that people do. And right. if it brings them closer to God and to each other, then uh, whatever. Uh, no big, no big deal. Uh, according to Rome, any well, that's longer. That's nice. Yeah, sure. It was. It was a, It's a nice gesture at the very least. Uh, and then this from from Reuters today. Pope Francis said in an interview published on Monday that Africans were a quote special case in the opposition of bishops and many other people in the continent to homosexuality. But he said that he was confident that, except for Africans, critics of his decision to allow blessings for same-sex couples would eventually understand it. Uh, Blessings were allowed last month in a document called Fiducia Supplicans, or Supplicating Trust, which has caused widespread debate in the Catholic Church with particularly strong resistance coming from African bishops. Quote, those who protest vehemently belong to small ideological groups, end quote. Francis told Italian newspaper La Stampa. Quote, a special case are Africans. For them, homosexuality is something bad from a cultural point of view. They don't to- tolerate it. But in general I trust that true, Ed? That, But in general I trust that that <laughs> gradually everyone will be reassured by the spirit of the Fiducia Supplicans declaration by the Dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. It aims to include, not divide, the Pope said. All right. Abe, is this problematic from Pope Francis <laughs> in, in screamingly obvious ways, or is it defensible?
0: So, like, Africa is uniquely, like, homophobic uh, among the Catholics? Like, you would think yes. that yeah. similar complaints would be made in other parts of the world, too, right? I mean, people are pretty homophobic. I think—, I think as The other a, parts
2: of the world are Muslim. So they're homophobic in a Muslim Muslim way, way, where Africa— I think
1: we can say Catholics as a—if we're going to go by uh, uh, group identity here, we can say Catholics are more homophobic than the general human population, right? And within that, Catholic bishops are more homophobic than the general Catholic population. And within that, a further subset, the the pope is simply saying that African (laughs) bishops— are even more homophobic than the general bishop population of Catholic bishops.
0: What fire is he putting out by uh, having this carve-out for African Catholics, right? It seems kind of a weird thing. It's almost
2: kind of like— He's not carving. He's just saying, like, yeah, people have problems with it. Lots of those are African bishops. Right, but it's he could say, like, whatever. you know, there are-
0: Certain bishops who are gonna be slower to change and you kinda of leave it vague, but just like all oh, those Africans, uh ah, special case. <laughs> well he's
2: old.
1: yeah. Uh, you know. Not great. Not <laughs> great. Was, cool Pope too.
0: Maybe it was lost in translation, you know.
2: No, he's just old. He's what are they gonna do to him?
0: <laughs> is there like a uh, are they getting like six extra years to sort it out? Or is there some sort of
1: No, he's just said uh, you know, it's just how it is and we're gonna move on. That's just <laughs> It's just what it is. What are you gonna do? I'd be <laughs> was... great to
0: have that sort of exception. Like, oh, everybody's gonna try with this uh environmental stuff except this continent. They are really against it. Just uh let them do whatever. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Hey, They'll
0: come
2: around. Did,
1: let's uh let's close up the WGAS news bag there. Let's instead uh get into cast iron balls. It's time for sports. Ooh, sports. Which I think we should really break out the cast iron balls into its own podcast. Abe, how many nights a week do you want a podcast? Let's just fucking <laughs> f- like five, six. Let's just do it. It's
0: very easy nowadays to boot up the computer.
1: Uh, won't,
2: no, there won't. We have this one and one more, and then we're done with sports.
1: Right. That's what I mean, though, because we like that's why you need another podcast, because we can't talk about like basketball here on CIB. That would be terrible. Corey is already threatening to uh, to be done with us if we talk about because we we talk about college football for like six fucking straight months. And Corey is ready to uh, tear his ear ear balls out or whatever. But You should
2: fucking listen. I mean, watch college football more. This is a dominant run for Georgia. I mean, I mean, the the
0: window of uh, greatness that Georgia has, it's kind of hard not to talk about.
2: See, even uh, when they're not even playing.
1: The Chiefs are going to play the 49ers in Super Bowl 58. Uh, that's in uh, uh, two, two weeks, roughly, from yesterday. Uh, that will happen in Las Vegas. The line opened, uh, I saw an early line at 2.5. That's already dropped to 1.5 as a, as a favorite for. 49ers, right? Yeah. The 49ers.
0: This is uh, uh, the, the matchup that started uh, 2020, right?
1: Yes. This was the, the same uh-huh. exact uh, yeah. matchup from. Uh, the end of the 2019 season, uh, we're getting it one more time. This is the one where uh, the 49ers had jumped out to a comfortable lead. And Hopefully then... there
2: won't be a global pandemic right <laughs> after.
1: Yeah, Mahomes threw two picks in the second half to start, I think, like in the third and fourth quarter. And then they scored two touchdowns to uh, to take the lead and, and maintained it. What did you think of the football this weekend? Uh, first on the, the Chiefs and Ravens game. I don't know how much there is necessarily to say, except this game started in the first half with plenty of scoring, yes. and the, the the total was a nice low, like forty three, I think was the was the line. And so before the game, I took not a large amount of money, but not an entirely insubstantial amount of money, and I said, "Give me the Chiefs and give me the over." And oh,
2: you stupid. At
1: halftime. I was like, we are we are all set here. Uh, the Chiefs are going to win, and this is going over for sure. Uh, and then it didn't. Uh, uh, no more points. There's like one more field goal was scored uh, yeah. between halftime and the end of the game. 17-10 was the final after a 17-7 halftime score. It turned into a, a defensive struggle, and the Ravens never got it going. They looked like dog shit. Lamar Jackson had a wonderful season and he just didn't have it. They could not get it going. He threw a terrible pick in the in the <laughs> that second was half. Triple coverage, in, right? Into there you look at it and there are three white jerseys and one purple jersey and he threw it short into that coverage arrangement. Yes. Like if it hadn't been picked it would have been a crime. Terrible pick. Really tough for Lamar who I was sort of rooting for despite actually being rooting for the Chiefs, it would have been to my preference that Lamar had a great day. He did not have a great day. Uh, He was, in fact, thoroughly mediocre, uh, whereas uh, Mahomes looked pretty good.
0: He did have that great throw and catch, um, so that was not nothing. Uh,
1: He did have that uh, (laughs) that once-in-a-million strange luck occurrence that happened, yes.
0: A a uh, uh, quick—I'm going to make some criticisms of Lamar in just a second, but, um, you know— uh, there are uh, low characters out in the world, you know, people that I don't think highly of, right? And uh, in traffic, the person, when you have multiple lanes and they try to wave you in, like if you're in opposite traffic, as if they have control of that extra lane, like you're not in right. a position to command traffic, right? And when, when that play happened, that terrible into triple coverage pick, I mean, that is on Lamar, right? So I, I understand that that was on him. I
1: know, I know exactly where you're going. But with that's this,
0: fucking. Yeah piece of shit receiver right. who's flagging his quarterback as if he's like wide open like who maybe Lamar just saw the hand go up and he's like I trust my guys intimately if he right. thinks he's open I'm just going to throw it you only have like half a second to, to decide right so if 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 Lamar was thrown off by that hand raising which was totally uncalled for this that ball
1: so so that ball's got to go to the end the, the the back line of the end zone right, right. and if because he he was past at least two. He might, he might not have been fully past all three of the guys that were in, in coverage on him, but he was beyond at least two of them. Conceivably, if that ball goes to the back line of the end zone, he might be the only one who has a play on it. Instead, it goes to like the first two yards of the end zone, in which case three different chiefs have a play on it. Yeah, Uh, it it was, it was very amusing to me to see the hand go up. Like me, me, me.
0: Like you asshole. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was a terrible decision, and it was even a worse execution of the terrible decision. But on to Lamar. You know, I mentioned uh, to you, Bob, that uh, Lamar reminds me so much of another quarterback, and, and that's Peyton Manning. He's very much like Peyton Manning. They Great, don't regular remind each
2: other in any way.
0: So ex- they, they're replicas of each other, the two. I mean, don't look them up uh, side by side. But other than just— I won't. <laughs> <regular> season, <laughs> I won't look up
2: the stats side by side either. <laughs>
0: He's in the process of winning his second MVP, Lamar, right? Regular season, right. I mean, they could have given him to like McCaffrey or, you know, other players, right? But he's going to get it and it'll be his second MVP. He does great in the regular season and he is completely lost in the playoffs. Like, this is like the third or Not fourth. Not last time. week, though.
1: The second, the second the half of last half week's of game, last he, week, was, he was. Right, right. But the second half of last okay. week's game, he right. was on another level.
2: So, Lamar Jackson had 821 rushing yards last season. Yeah. Peyton Manning had 667 in his career. In his
1: career, yes. The,
0: not the, 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 the production, but just their choking, collapsing – like, anytime I see Lamar and he has that he, – he just looks uneasy in the pocket. It reminds me of a happy feat Peyton Manning going up against the Patriots back in the yeah. day. Like, they are both they, – they have problems with uh, – playing in the playoffs i mean peyton manning only won because of his defense so like baltimore will need to do something on that front to win but like he is textbook peyton manning and that was an awful awful game by him like and it sucks because he seems like he's trying to turn the argument over to where like hey he does great both in the regular season and the playoffs but like once again uh they they they, they lose
1: that argument it needs more evidence. You can't you can't just say it. Look at the playoffs. Uh,
2: <laughs> you can say right. it. You yes. just doesn't uh, mean it's
1: true.
0: Give it over the coming year. We'll see what happens. It'll be just whereas, more of this.
1: Whereas Mahomes was was near flawless. He had a, he made a, maybe a couple of questionable decisions, but ultimately uh, didn't pay any steep price for them.
2: Really great catches.
1: And yeah, holy shit, M- Mahomes yeah. to Kelsey in particular was on in a way that they haven't been all year. Kelsey's had he
0: caught everything. It seemed like.
1: Yeah, it, everything worked. He 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 threw, I think he was 10 for 10 with 112 yards or something in the first half and then only added one more catch to Kelsey the rest of the way. I guess they decided they were going to sort of draw things back and just rely on the defense and not open things up right. unless they absolutely had to, which was, it would have been information that I could have used maybe before I placed my bets. <laughs> That's
0: not how that uh,
1: works.
0: <laughs> you know, d- despite the uh, poor performance by Lamar, the team was in it. Zay Flowers, once again, this stupid fucking turnover into the end zone thing. It's just never going to end. I don't know why you need to to extend your hand. Like, what is the idea? He was trying to
2: get a touchdown.
0: I know, but just like get the first and goal on the one, you have like a great They're rushing excited. attack. They're gonna score the touchdown, but like,
1: but that you don't
2: get mad at it when they make it. Like so many times, that was such a that tremendous works.
1: play by the Chiefs guy who who just yeah, does that the yeah. crazy. Yeah, that, I mean, it was like
2: because it's all
0: happening very fast, and like it, when they show it in slow motion, it kind of like undercuts like the like this. He punched the ball like in real speed. very quickly like it was right, no i watched how...
1: it and i i thought how can that be how can it be that he punched it at the exact last moment <laughs> for perfect. it to have come loose in the two inches before the yes. ball was going to cross because I, I was watching it live i was like oh surely that ball came yeah. out afterwards there's no way but then you watch it in the high def at super slow-mo and it's like yeah it came out just before he crossed the end zone
0: And it's clear, too, right? It was, like, a clear—you can tell it did not reach the line with him possessing it. But, like I said, even despite how poorly the the Ravens were playing, like, they were in it. Because the game was just kind of just—like, there was no offensive output in the second half. So, like, they kind of crawled back into it ugly and made a game of it.
2: But uh, it wasn't to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then the other game, uh, Lions at the 49ers— did
2: they at uh, least it wasn't they, in Detroit? It's all you can say about it. At least did, it wasn't at home. That's it. Did they? I, I didn't catch
0: any shot of him, but did they show that old geezer that Lions no, fan? No, he died.
1: I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't. No, he's dead. Now. I didn't see him either. Cause
0: yeah. I didn't see I would like to have seen some cut to him, but like if there are if there is a sports god, an awfully cruel sports god, I mean, to. I mean, it would be one thing if the Lions just lost. I mean, oh, you, you lost to the number one. There's no shame in it. You know, you, you, you came close. It was a close game, and you lost. But, like, to have them up, what was it, 24-7 or something? Or 24-10? Yeah, was, 24-7. 24-7 at the half. Yeah, 24-7 at the half. Like Not, not, shit, not just
1: you're... any 24-7 either. Like, a thoroughly dominant 24-7. Yes,
0: exactly. Totally dominant. And then, like, the worst third quarter sequence of events I've seen to a team like 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 the Lions, who haven't won in like forever, to have that overthrown ball by Purdy hit the defensive player, bounce back to the offensive player. They Auburned and it, it. it. They, yeah, they fully it was, fucking it, Auburned it, it, in it that
1: on that play.
2: It was <laughs> it awfully reminiscent of many Georgia games we've seen and I, my heart yeah. goes out to Lions fans but like yeah. you gotta keep going
0: it was like when when that happened I was like uh oh and then like the <laughs> next position fumble like oh this is over I mean like th- no. this is like if you're a shitty like poverty stricken franchise this is how things fall apart like, like oh we're gonna be in the Super Bowl and, oh, my God, we are – I mean, it's just a total collapse. It just And, you know, like people are complaining about going for it on fourth down. I mean, they've been doing that all year. And it seems like – I've never heard of that kicker. Like for a conference championship game, they just trotted out some random kicker I've never seen before. Yeah. And I guess I did, did not have a lot of confidence in him. I, uh, but, like, if, you, if you're if your team that goes for it and you go for it, that's one thing. You yeah, know, that like was you fine. I thought Dan in, Campbell yeah.
1: coached fine. That was That was mostly – I didn't really question any of his decisions. In fact, the only one that I remember questioning was when he kicked the field goal in the first half when I thought that he should have gone for it instead. I can't remember the exact details, but the only time that I was mad at him was when he didn't do the thing that he's known to do, which was he chose to kick the field goal instead of going for it. Uh, I also had uh, the Lions, and I had the over in this one and uh what
0: was the line for
1: the line was this? like 53 or something 52 and a half oh, or wow. 53 so the over was was well in hand based on the first half and then uh certainly the over hit but then for the lions like i was feeling good at halftime they were they, oh. they were throwing money at me on Fanduel to be like here take <laughs> this instead of the eventual payout that you're definitely going to get and instead that one blew up in my face too god damn it all
2: right
1: next thing it's 10 o'clock all right uh We'll talk uh, next week about our Super Bowl predictions, but uh, a fun weekend of of football games, certainly. Uh, Real quick, in our bogus future, a couple things I want to hit here on our bogus future. Uh, Abe, you've uh, sent to me a couple times over the last couple weeks these stories about George Carlin's estate and uh, these podcasters. Uh, one of whom, uh, Will Sasso.
0: Mad TV's Will Sasso. Is a,
1: is a Mad TV guy from the late 90s and early 2000s, I think. Uh,
0: he's also in uh, Louder Milk, that Netflix, you know, sometimes Netflix will just promote a show that they just got the license of. And yeah, he's in that too.
1: All right. Well, uh, he has a podcast with some other guy who I don't think that I recognize from uh, 1990s television. And their podcast, they have this thing where – it's like a performance art thing where they pretend to have the whole thing created or curated in some fashion by an AI who they call Dudezy. And they they allow that thing to be like their producer or something. I don't know. I haven't listened to the fucking thing. Uh, but uh, long story short, they – claim to have produced an hour-long set of George Carlin material by feeding into their proprietary AI system uh, everything that George Carlin ever did in terms of his books and his stand-up, and then said, uh, create an hour of stand-up based on George Carlin and do it in his voice using uh, further AI voice techniques. Uh, and then uh, they showed it. They they put it on their YouTube channel. They they produced a full hour-long set of George Carlin. Uh, instead of showing, like, cartoony George Carlin doing it, they just flashed up different uh, AI-generated images that related to the subject matter. I didn't watch the whole hour. I watched maybe the first 10 minutes of it or so and was not particularly impressed with the result Uh and uh, I had only seen it in the context of you sending it to me, which means that it had already made its way around the internet once or twice. Right. And so George Carlin's uh, daughter uh, had already reacted neg- negatively to it in a sort of uh, very personal way. She, you know, it's like digging up her dad's corpse and fucking the body or something is is uh, one way to understand what was going on there. Uh, and I, I sympathize with her. I can imagine that being unpleasant. Uh Anyway, as it turns out, uh, their claim about it being a fully AI-generated thing uh, is probably bullshit. And there will be links in the show notes to a a pretty good Ars Technica, uh, which is a tech blog – breakdown of why this particular journalist believed before it came out that the whole thing was probably written by one of these two dudes, the non-Will Sasso of the podcasting duo, Uh, why he believed that it was not, in fact, an AI-generated hour of content, but instead was just uh, written by this guy and then performed by, much in the same fashion, uh, one could imagine listening to uh, a podcast like Cast Iron Brains and hearing The Voice. Of a former president of the United States.
2: <laughs> when they were in way better health. When than they now. were
1: a much younger individual. And and not necessarily believe that that was actually Jimmy Carter who was, who was talking to us. They they did that with George Carlin. They they got a voice to make it sound like him, but they fed their own bit into it, right? To, right. to try to convince people that it was an AI thing. Um,
0: it, it's... Uh, uh, I will say it is interesting that uh in the in the court of public opinion, at least they thought that it was more defensible to, to claim AI came up with it. So uh, I don't so I don't know if
1: it's p- a question of defensibility as much as it is them trying to do a bit. I think that they're doing a thing where they're trying to say, let's have a conversation about whether or not about the world that is to come, like maybe that's giving them too much credit. I don't know, uh, but, but they but, never,
0: If that's the case, they never presented it that way, though, right? I mean, like when when they when it first came out, I mean, they they didn't present it in any kind of way. They just released it, but like they weren't saying like, "Oh, this is a some some scheme that we're doing." Right. They present as if it's like a AI thing, and and, and because the and the reason why I think like maybe they thought it was more dispensable to take that approach or to say that assuming that they wrote it they're like okay we wrote this but like we can't say that this is a imitation george carlin and joy like it wouldn't get any traction right, right? but if we right, right, right say that absolutely it was ai but then in the court
1: of and then also they don't have to the defend law, then they don't have to defend the bad jokes they can say well it's, right. it, yeah, if you robots, don't think it was yeah. funny it's because the ai did it and it's not my yes. fucking dumbass who did it right so it's uh, right. plausible deniability on that front
0: but when they actually go to court actual court uh The feeding is the problem. You're feeding copyrighted works. Right. So that's
1: the the end of the story here so far is that they have now been sued by uh, lawyers working with the George Carlin estate and George Carlin's family saying you have violated uh, George Carlin's intellectual property by feeding all of this stuff into uh, an algorithm or an artificial intelligence and then having it create from that IP – Uh, new material. And then you're using, you're further using his name, image, and likeness to promote that in a way that is uh, uh, licensable. And and therefore, this is an actionable thing on our behalf because you did not license it from us. You have no right to him in that way. You're not doing a satire. You're not doing, uh, this is not fair use. You are simply trying to profit off of Uh, George Carlin's good reputation uh, with his uh, rather rabid fan base or at the very least with his very famous name and and earn a buck off of that. And so now they have to go to court to defend themselves, which is why, in part, they've now admitted this wasn't an AI thing. This was just me doing my best imitation of what I think George Carlin would sound like in 2024. Right. I don't know that I have uh, a whole lot further to say about it besides that again i, I wasn 't terribly impressed uh, by by the thing It did sound sort of vaguely like George Carlin in the same way that my Jimmy Carter voice sounded uh, vaguely like Jimmy Carter, so like uh neat I guess yeah uh, it does it does raise at least a somewhat interesting question like uh, in terms of the future that we 're in for and and along those same lines i don 't know if you saw, but Taylor Swift. On Twitter, had a bunch of pornographic images of herself as uh, as generated by these AI image generating things uh, go around. Uh, they were viewed tens of millions. We have
2: of- such different Twitters.
1: No, no, no. First of all, I'm not suggesting that I saw those in particular. I read news stories about them uh, in in a similar way. Yeah, Uh, me too. I I get all of my information uh, from Judy Woodruff and the PBS NewsHour. (laughs) That's right. I I found a story about it from uh, probably it was Judy Woodruff. You
2: were showing me how your Twitter is just all porn now.
1: Yeah, that's true. I was uh, going to bring that up as well. Uh, my for you tab in the last few weeks has gotten so much worse, and I, the, the followers that I have are the same. I haven't followed anyone new or unfollowed anyone. It's just trying to generate more traction, more uh, more of my attention, I suppose. But uh, I go to the for you tab and I I, I I pulled it up for Lori, and I said, "Watch this," and I just refreshed it, and at the top of the screen. It was uh it was uh, pornographic content in some fashion. Like like no shit. like clickbaity nonsense. And then and then like below it you, you click on it, or even a non-pornographic sort of thing is just a post about something else that's gone viral, like a fucking orangutan carrying oranges or something. Inside those, this very popular viral post will be uh, – in all likelihood, it is just algorithmically generated bots or whatever. But they're pushing pornography there too. Like in the replies yeah. to popular posts – Inevitably, uh, high up in the in the sort there is going to be uh, OnlyFans links to like go go sign up for my porno site on my OnlyFans or whatever. Like it's 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 exploded just in the last few weeks. I don't think it's just me. How dare so you? I,
2: uh, I didn't say I, uh, it was just you. It's just that I don't look at my for you tab. I look at only the things I choose to look at.
0: Right. I'm uh like, pulling hey. so. To, To be fair, I don't use uh, Twitter uh, a lot anymore unless I'm like looking for something specifically. But I went to the For You page, and thankfully, so far I haven't. The contagion hasn't reached my phone yet.
2: Abe is safe from the Abe is marked safe from porn.
0: Getting a lot of like uh, conference championship weekend content about Mahomes and like Purdy.
2: Yeah,
1: perhaps it's just me. You never know, but. If you go and look at any reasonably viral post, you will find, even if it's not pornography, you will find that the Twitter algorithm is sorting for completely unrelated content to the initial viral post.
2: It's, okay. yeah, like I was looking this morning, I don't know, some football, like last night, Chris Long posted something, and I clicked on it, and I, what I noticed. Is that I have the weird, like, clearly unrelated stuff, too. I just don't notice it.
1: Yeah. You like just I, don't I, even I tot- see it. Like,
2: I, I see it as an ad, and I blow right past okay. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever. The point is is that Twitter's getting worse, and this week, all over Twitter were these viral photos of uh, Taylor Swift uh, naked at, at football games. The ones that I saw, which did come across my feed were weird like she's in all chiefs red head to toe face paint like she looks like uh, Mystique from the X-Men except as okay. as in like red like a bodysuit kind right. of like paint? A, like a paint bodysuit or whatever like yeah. it was obvious to me that it was not uh, an authentic image of Taylor Swift and it I knew it was going to be a big deal because they had many many views and and yeah apparently it took some tens of millions of views but eventually Twitter finally got around to blocking uh, the, the distribution of these photos, the point here and the reason that I bring it up in the context of this other George Carlin conversation is that this represents and I've, this is something that I've been harping on in the in the weather on the morning press a few times over the last couple of weeks. But we are on the verge in a in a in a way that I don't think we fully appreciate yet of an explosion of content that we will not have an ability to to have any meaningful control over because the this current generation of ai operates when you go to Bard or you go to Chat GPT or you go to uh, the, the Microsoft One, whatever it is, and you say, do this thing for me, right? They have not really unleashed these things to be creators on their own in a way that is coming, right? They're going to be and, – and the AIs will be able to teach themselves based on uh, uh, what gets feedback, based on what uh, – in the same way that the algorithms on the social media things do, they will then get Better at this, right? So when the the goobers on this uh, dudesy podcast are talking about in the in the Carlin special, they're like, uh, "You think this is a problem? Just wait in five years." Comics won't be getting any work because you'll just be able to go turn on Freevee or whatever on your on your streaming app, and it'll be a twenty four seven streaming channel of AI George Carlin and AI Sam Kinison and AI Bill Hicks and AI Richard Pryor and and AI uh, living comedians AI Louis C K AI whoever the fuck just giving a constant recitation of uh, the day's news through their uh, means of understanding the world. right i think that's coming in the same way that like we see this taylor swift deep fake porn on twitter now uh they can take it off twitter all they want if uh, you go to 4chan or 8chan or or other uh scary places on the internet that i legit like
2: sixteen chan
1: yeah wherever it is i don't know (laughs) i don't i don't fuck around there right uh but people do like like hundreds of millions of people do and uh so this content is going to be accessible and it's going to be everywhere Right, we are we are just at the very uh, the, the 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 ocean's edge here of the content that is going to overwhelm everything when these models are fully released into the wild, and and we just have no way of actually dealing with it. There will be a situation where people can take our photographs. And uh, with just two or three or four photographs, create entire uh, movie length, disgusting pornographies of uh, of us doing stuff that we never did, right? Like this is right. this is the this is the ghost gun future that we're in for, right? In the same way right. that I've when we talk about the Second Amendment, it, it's a completely nonsensical conversation to have in the situation that everyone has a 3D printer in their basement, right? Like The moment that the 3D printers take that leap to the next generation where they're that much cheaper and they're that much easier to have in your basement, it doesn't matter what the laws are, right? Because everyone's going to have the gun printing machine in their fucking basement, and it's a whole different conversation. In the same way, the deep fake porn revolution, it's fucking coming, right? And it's just going to take, they, they take one picture off your Instagram, and all of a sudden, you're Jenna fucking Jameson. Good luck dealing with that.
2: At the same time, like, okay.
0: But, you know, there's already tremendous amounts of porn content already, right? And, and it hasn't contaminated the the few pa- places where people go, like, you know, Twitter and, like, other websites. So, like, I don't think those companies would want – would would invite that sort of cluttering – I'm not where... talking
1: about right. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the inevitability, not of it overrunning uh, Twitter or like so like Reddit. You used to be able to right. go on Reddit and you could go to a subreddit called Deepfakes, I believe, yeah. and and you could see all of these like there was a community of people who created uh, pornography for uh, normal celebrities, right? So like Jennifer right. Lawrence has never been in a, a hardcore pornography shoot, uh, as far as I know, uh, but uh, a few years ago you could have gone on Reddit and found uh, Jennifer Lopez or, or or any of a number of other Jennifer's presumably uh, in compromised uh, photographic situations Reddit has decided we don't want that on our platform uh, we don't want that fucking heat the the legal heat that no doubt uh, will will come with that uh, but that does not stop uh, 8chan from populating their servers with it. Right. And no matter what sort of agreements the multinational companies come to, there's going to be somebody in fucking Montenegro or something who's, who's perfectly willing, uh, to accept a hundred thousand dollars for server space. Right. Like there, there's always somebody willing in, uh, extra legal fashion, uh, to accept payment for illegal services or, or frowned upon services. There's not going to be any, uh, not to say that we won't be able to hide from it. Uh, maybe we will be able to hide from it. But ultimately, the content is going to be out there, and I don't think that we're remotely ready for it.
0: I, I suspect it will remain segregated, but we'll see what happens. I, I don't. I, to me, like, kind of like with the uh, the gun issue. You know, like guns will be available to such an extent that it's not going to be worth it for most people to get like a three D printer. Right? It's not. It's not going to be a situation where the demand for 3D printers will be there along with like a very strict gun environment, right? So like people who want guns will find it easier to, to get it the way they're getting it now. And so the the marketplace won't really change. When it comes to the ghost guns, similarly there's already a lot of just smut content on the internet now, and this is just more of it, and it'll just be wherever people seek it, and then all the other lanes will, will be what they are now. I, don't, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but to me, it seems like things will just be where they are. There'll just be more of it and different varieties of it.
1: Maybe. I, just, there's, there's, I think that there's something that we're not grappling with, which is that we are not, we're just not aware of how much content is coming. Like the, yeah. I don't have a good metaphor for it beyond like imagining and whatever you imagine an ocean is something that is so much more overwhelming. Like we, there's already an ocean of content out there in the content mall. Just wait until all of all of the computing power that we are, are currently sort of feeding a quarter into instead turns around and starts talking to itself back and forth. Right? right. It doesn't need us anymore. It's just going to be creating this stuff, not even for us to interact with, but for for itself to 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 learn from, right? It's well, g- like
2: in her when the girl meets the other
1: right. robots. Yes, yes.
2: Everybody was fine. Do you, also,
0: Bob? Do you, do you see any uh, comparison to like you can come up with like knockoff products, you know, like uh, apparel and like those bags that people buy, uh, purses or whatever. Um, and there's there's like this reinforcement mechanism where like oh those are knockoffs so like basically like people like will shun the knockoff even though they're there and, and they can be reproduced at a alarming pace they're still this like oh those are no good like you think there'll be something similar oh that's the knockoff de Chappelle special that's not the real like you bum you can't afford netflix the netflix one he's wearing this kind of thing you know or whatever like you don't think there'll be some sort of like uh, appreciation for the real thing. Maybe. And like all of the fake stuff will be just like, hey, get out of here.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I just wonder if it's not clear to me, and the Billboard Hot 100 game is one way to appreciate this over and over again, how much discernment there necessarily is uh, yeah. in, in the average consumer. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think music will be so different. It, it will now. be that much different than what we have now. It's not particularly good now. The robots can. Fuck it up, right? It'll just be more of the same.
1: Yeah. All right. Real quick, before the Billboard Hot 100 game,
2: it's ten twenty-three.
1: Look, maybe I'll tell. Maybe we'll save it for next week because we do not have a. Fresh Billboard Hot 100 for this oh. week because that doesn't come out until tomorrow morning. So
0: is uh, Ben Shapiro eligible?
1: Yes, we're gonna. That's why that's, we're gonna oh. save the Ben Shapiro. Oh, is it possible that you're not going to listen to the Ben Shapiro rap between now and next Monday?
0: Yes, unless somebody just, like, play if you heard you the must latest commit. Ben Shapiro. What
1: if it's, because like— Because you, uh, you, notoriously, if it's like... you're bad at, at a second take. So yes. we, you need to preserve <laughs> your virgin ears uh, will, yes. from Ben Shapiro rapping so that we can get a live reaction <laughs> okay. to that. So can we, just, to
2: can we just play Tommy Valentine rapping?
1: No, we're not going to do that either. Why? Uh, cuz i don't have it handy uh, you
2: sure do you have it over there on its d- cd
1: that's true uh so instead of of getting into the ben shapiro of it all we will instead uh, uh play the billboard hot 100 game right now i have rolled the dice we are going to position number 18 in our Ooh. years our years oh, chart years. which is oh. the year 2000 and uh on the chart we are going to position number 53 so okay. we Uh, Number 53 on the Billboard Hot 100, and we'll be going back to the year 2000. As I said, this is the same... In the year 2000. This is the same uh, Billboard Hot 100 chart as as last week, I'm afraid, because it has not turned over. The song is called Feather at number 53, and it is by someone called Sabrina Carpenter. Does that ring a bell to either one of you?
0: Was she in, uh, The Rockin' You, whatever I thought? Uh, that name sounds familiar. I'm not sure. I think I've seen her. Was ever. she in what? Uh, the New Year's Eve thing. Oh, not in
2: Addicton. Oh. oh, it's like that.
3: I'm your dream come true. When it's on a platter for you. No
1: idea what we're going to get here. If she's in church, this could be. Gonna
3: try to make plans more than two hours in advance. I'm lifting. Mm-hmm.
1: Remarkable pop song, I suppose.
0: The year 2000 is going up against. So oh, what if it's like a Christina Aguilera thing?
2: It might be. What if it is Christina Aguilera? <laughs> is that going to be okay? We'll
1: we will see. go with the 23rd through the 29th because that is today. Oof! I'm gonna share my screen here because there's a classic at number one. Abe's favorite. 2000s band. I knew I
2: loved you I you. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Savage Garden. I knew I loved you at number one. There's Christina at <laughs> There's number Christina. two. Good call with What a Girl Wants. Uh, Santana's Smooth featuring it's Rob so Thomas weird, at number three.
2: That's a summer song.
1: That is a song that lived on the charts for forever, as indicated by the fact that. It was from
2: the previous year.
1: It had been on the chart for 27 weeks already. Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Destiny's Child, Foo Fighters. There's Mariah. Mariah is always here somewhere in the top 100. TLC, Sugar Ray. Scrolling and scrolling to number 53. We have ODB (laughs) at number 53. Okay. (laughs) I get uh, that. Got your money.
2: Mm.
1: Old dirty bastard.
2: I could just say If it. you wanna
1: look good and not be bummy, go Yo, you better give me that money.
2: Hey, uh 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 uh
1: You wanna be with me? You wanna look pretty though in my video? Oh dirty on my hat and I let you all know Just dance if you caught up in the Holy Ghost train. If the stop, I'ma put them killer ants in your pants I'm the ODB as
2: you can see FBI don't you be watching me I don't want no problems cause I put you down In the ground where you cannot be found I'm just dirt dog trying to make somebody.
1: So give me my streaks ain't give me my honey Radios play this all day, everyday Recognize I'm a fool and you love me None of you, no, better really look at me funny. No,
3: you know my name, down. Give me my money. Hey, hey, hey. Sing it. Maybe I got your money. Sing Don't it, you girls. Said, hey, just sing it right baby, now. I got your money. If 31 is free, hey, I think y'all should give a this money. Maybe I got your that's money. how I like you. I feel
2: like that's not fair. No this is not fucking
1: good. contest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, didn't rec- I didn't realize it was that song when I just at first read the title. But yeah, you got to be fucking kidding me. No contest yeah. at all. This <laughs> one goes to ODB and the year two thousand. Sorry, in the Sabrina. Year
0: 2000. Do
1: you disagree, Abe?
0: No, no, unanimous.
1: That is the definition of what we're yeah. doing here. This is a uh, uh, number fifty-three on the charts. It had already been at number. It peaked at number thirty-three. It had been on the charts for uh, four months already. At this point, it was on its way back down. Technically a top forty hit, but not really, right? Like just sort of barely scraping the top forty.
0: And this is a uh, a good comp because the Sabrina song, I assume, is from the now, and the Old Dirty song is from then. Like it's not like a weird Taylor Swift. Yeah, remake it's not a Taylor Swift song, ago, or, or a cover. It's like a clean contrast between twenty four years ago and now.
1: Right. that is I can't say it's a fucking iconic song because it never got eh. above number thirty three but, but that's the chorus the thing, to that song is, is right. in the brains of everyone right. who was alive oh, yeah. at that Absolutely. time, yeah, right yeah. I mean, and it goes for so forgot about Dre, number 55 this week, Untitled by D'Angelo at number 56, The uh-huh. Great Beyond by REM at number 57. Like, that's just the mid 50s of a random chart in 2000, and, you, and Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon, that fucking awful song. Whoa. But it, holy shit, it's mm-hmm. in my head. Like, I know yeah. all of these songs. But
2: that, okay, yes, the Vertical and, and Horizon one.
1: Because I'm fucking 17 yeah, at it's the time. Because right? that was like, when yes. we were
2: listening to the radio. The other ones are good but the vertical horizon 1 is bad song yeah and there isn't the uh that
0: monoculture people talk about where like you just had just very limited avenues to hear this stuff and now it's everywhere
1: right i don't think that i if i was a, it's not like if i was a regular consumer of mtv and vh1 and the radio i would be any more familiar necessarily with uh whatever that first one was
2: you might like feathered feathers? by. S- but-
1: but it wouldn't have stuck those... in my head to nah, to, to, to have decided that I wanted to know what it was. Like nah, even if I heard it on Sirius XM or whatever the fuck, or or it came across my uh, my uh, Pandora or however it is people listen to shit these days, uh, yeah. it wouldn't have stuck out enough for me to want to go seek it out more in the future. In the yeah. way that half a dozen other songs in the fifty-one through fifty-nine would have in the year two thousand. Anyway, uh, great success for the Billboard Hot 100 game yeah. this week. I think uh, goes without saying, ODB uh, takes it down. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in terms of movies, so I think we will I have
2: so much to talk about. Move
1: into the end game here. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with. Bob and Abe find the show on Substack at BrainIron.substack.com, where you can sign up to become either just a a regular old subscriber, so you get uh, the daily morning press in your inbox whenever that goes live, and and uh, CIB. As well, or uh, become a paying subscriber, like two more people did Ooh. this week. Damn. Last week, one person became a paying subscriber. This week, two additional people became paying subscribers. Thank you. An argument could be made: uh, exponential growth uh, in that in that very small window. And we just, if we just add four again next week, uh, it'll continue in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks a lot to uh, Glenn and and Catherine. Uh, people who know me will know those are also family members. Uh, but ignore that. Uh, but those it's are,
2: none of their birthdays. It's
1: all it's all money and it all spends. So uh, we are very much appreciative of uh, of you signing up over at Substack at brainiron.substack.com. dot com. I hope. That everyone, is, I don't get very much feedback, uh, to be clear. I hope everyone is enjoying The Morning Press. I thought last week's run of five episodes of The Morning Press were the best so far. Uh, and if
2: you people want me to get involved with that, you know what to do.
1: How are you <laughs> going to get involved with it? I
2: don't know, but maybe more people would like it if I was involved. <laughs> Just anecdotally. Also, I'm
1: not, taking, I'm not interested in feedback, because you know what? I'm not here... For the people, I'm here to create something of interest and something good. That if the audience comes to me, great. But I am not in the audience-seeking business. Thank you very much. I'm not that sort of person. Uh, I'm think not a Person for
2: with attention. an income is the kind of person I, <laughs> you're describing. I
1: think that's clear. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Tetramermusic.com. T-e-t-r-a-m-e-r music.com. For more from him, Abe. I don't think there was a new movie that made it into wide release this week, at least not one that showed up in the box office charts that I looked at. Did you, uh, nevertheless, make it to the movies this week?
0: I, I did. Uh, so this was a movie that was already released. I just didn't get a chance to see it. It was um, The Book of Clarence with like, Keith Stanfield and some other people. It's kind of like a uh. biblically-based work of fiction kind of movie. Like uh, It got decent ratings so was like, or decent reviews, rather. Um, it wasn't a good movie because it was, like, one of those, like, movies where it's, like, all over the place. So, like, there's, like, one scene where it's, like, a serious, like, dra- dramatic scene. And then, like, literally the next scene is, like, a stoner comedy kind of like this. Mm. Like, it's just very odd how, like, and, and, and it was going back and forth like that the whole movie. Like, they didn't know, like, the tone that they wanted to stick with. They were just kind of like this jumbled a bunch of scenes together it just didn't, maybe I just was not in the right state of mind, I mean I was there and sober, but it's just like maybe I was just tired, I don't know what it was, but like the movie didn't really track with me uh, gotcha. because it was just all over the place, it wasn't, a, I wouldn't I don't recommend it, it's not very good it's very this is forgettable. Uh,
1: produced by Jay-Z or Jay-Z's production company or something like oh, that I did not know that But no good? That's too bad
0: So the one thing I will say, so I have very limited knowledge of the Bible, I guess, you know, the, the Jesus and then the, the whole killing thing and then, then the coming back thing. So I maybe there were some references in this movie that was like, oh, they this is similar to this other book or whatever. I don't know. But right. if there was, it just went over my head because I don't know any yeah. of that.
1: Gotcha. Uh, we didn't watch True Detective this week yet. Uh we
0: watched three movies. By the
1: time the football game ended on...
0: Three movies. I'm, I'm interested to hear these movies.
1: By the time the football game ended on Sunday night, it was... It was time for bed. We didn't feel like staying up for another hour, so we'll catch up and hopefully have watched episodes three and four by the time we come back.
2: We can do because there's no football.
1: Right, because there's no football by the time we come back next week. All right. We watched three movies. We'll start with Barbie, which we watched first on Friday night.
0: Is this the first viewing? We had not
1: seen Barbie yet, yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
2: It was fine. It It was good. I smiled the whole time that I wasn't like a little weepy but like if I'm smiling the whole time I'm watching a movie how bad can it be
1: I you know? made a I apparently made a huge mistake in my uh understanding of what to expect with this movie I thought that Barbie was going to be good This was this is my mistake I didn't realize and I should have because every other billion dollar movie that has come out in the last fucking three years has been bad. Like, actively, it's been bad. And for some reason, some combination of the discourse around it and the types of people who were excited yeah. about it, I thought, surely, this billion-dollar movie is going to be good. That was, that was the wrong expectation to have going into this movie, which is, at best... Adequate as a piece, as as a piece of of entertainment.
2: Yes, that's uh, why movies are.
1: But not good. Like, and the notion that this was uh, that somehow someone at any point along the way got snubbed for not being up for the most important uh, film awards that we award as a culture. That somehow the uh, failure to recognize some of the work done for this movie with the possible exception of like if the production like the set designer didn't get a nod or the makeup folks or the costuming costuming people
2: costuming
1: didn't get a didn't get a nomination then i could see an argument being made from that perspective but for anyone to get mad that like say which the writing somehow did get a fucking nomination but like had the had the writing not gotten nominated uh not a problem if right. the movie had not been nominated for picture of the year definitely not a problem and if the uh, the actress had not been nominated also not, like she's fine Margot Robbie is fine. You know why she yeah. was good at this? Because she's a perfect-looking human being. She's just a flawless physical specimen of, of human achievement in the realm of beauty, uh, which is why she was good. Well, and
2: she's good at acting. Yeah, and yeah, also she she's acted, a, yeah.
1: right. she's a perfectly good actress as well. I think she was very good in this. I wouldn't have changed a thing about her performance. I'm not sure that the performance required of her— some great uh, feat of acting might that we what would. are you talking then, about? That I'm we
0: would doing a death number and I want to kill myself. That takes some acting chops. Come on,
1: how dare you? I was so disappointed in this movie because it's written by very smart people and directed yeah. by people who are supposed to be good at this. And I was just expecting such a smarter, better movie from uh, Noah Baumbach and, and and Greta Gerwig than they ultimately delivered when I should have realized, no, this was a billion-dollar popcorn movie. And I, but, but still, even recognizing that, I, at the end of the movie, I was just utterly perplexed by the idea— that this movie received the amount of, not accolades, but popular support that it did. Because I, I, I fully don't understand what made this so much fun for everyone else.
2: No, it was fun. The TVs hanging when the Kens took over and there were TVs everywhere. Fun. Fun.
1: It had its moments, but like there's nothing— Also,
2: Ryan Gosling was great. Every word that came out of his mouth was funny. Sure.
1: He's a charming guy. He's been in a lot of movies. None of them have made a billion fucking dollars. And same goes for Margot Robbie.
0: But this is like a lightning in a bottle kind of thing, just like that Oppenheimer and Barbie kind of— I think if if Oppenheimer wasn't R-rated, that that also would have— Made it even more money than it already did, but like it was just kind of like a moment in time. And an
1: argument from... yeah. can be made that that Oppenheimer is a good and important movie. I don't right. think you can make the argument yeah, but I that didn't this smile is.
2: Smile an... like the whole time I watched it. Yeah, like at at all, like none. Smile. It's just it has
1: none of the like. It's like what if? And I know this is a facile uh, comparison because it's also a branded exercise in uh, toy selling, but. The Lego movie is clever oh, and so and brilliant in ways that this movie like sort of hints at. Like this movie's like, "Oh, I see what Lego movie did. Let's do a little bit of Lego movie here." In fact, let's get the Lord Business guy from Lego to movie be to be Lord Business here in this movie with Will Ferrell and then not give him anything fucking interesting or funny to say except like right. two two lines where the only reason that it's funny is because it's Will Ferrell and right. I will just laugh at anything that Will yeah. Ferrell says because of uh, my broken brain from 1997. Like, he has some weird power over me when Will Ferrell does something. I think, so funny. I think it's I think fucking hilarious, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I can't always point to a reason. Uh, but when Will Ferrell does it, it's fucking hilarious. But there was nothing in particular about this movie that made me think, wow, what a clever and brilliant subversion of this. Or a, a, a twisting of that. This is just... This is a, a a not very well executed fish out of water movie combined with a very boring politics like a very uninteresting Boring to you
2: again you're different than most people and you yeah, it possible that it just didn't
0: resonate with you but it, it, you can see how well, it would Of course it's
1: possible it didn't resonate with me but it also like is it trying is it arguably trying to say something more interesting than anyone realizes or is it actually as dumb as it seems because when they open with the 2001 a space odyssey nod as the opening scene yeah. where uh, girls always had these lame dolls where they wanted to be mommy and then we gave them barbie and it turned them into violent fucking psychopaths like uh, like is that the message that they're sending that the that the we have given you the the monolith you've eaten from the tree with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and and now you're a fallen species in some way. Like, is that is there some sort of subversive critique going on there that then they just abandon? By the way, right. for the next two hours of movie, I don't know. Maybe there is. Okay, uh, well,
2: that was one movie we watched. I enjoyed it.
1: Go ahead, Abe. You've got more to say.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know that 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 scene they used it at least for the teaser trailer, like early on, because you know. Every one of these movies, I've seen like twenty times the trailer, right? Like I, I'm there, you know, and so like they would use that scene, and I just thought that it would be a scene that they would use for trailer purposes only, but not mm-hmm. actually use it in the actual movie. And so right. when I saw it, and because I was like, "What is the connection?" It was just kind of a throwaway, like it would be a nice kind of like, "Ooh, they're doing a Barbie movie," and that would be that. But like to actually include it in the actual movie didn't make sense.
1: Right, it makes no sense in the it, it, unless it is an attempt to be super subversive of everything that follows, right? Which I, I, I really highly doubt.
0: Did you have any criticisms? I know there's two other movies, but did you have any criticisms of the America Ferrera like uh, monologue? You know the, the I think she's getting like uh, supporting actress nods.
1: If her, she like wins stuff. for that, it is it is simply it is simply a not like th- but that's th- this always what everything is a, a everything mediocre is. television show of a of a of a monologue that she was given.
0: Remember uh, Alec Baldwin like in uh, the sales movie, like you know, fuck you, that's my name. You know, like second place gets whatever. Like Glengarry yeah. Glenn Ross, yeah, yeah. It was like a five ten minute scene, and I think he won an Oscar yes. for
1: Deserved, a, deservedly, like, deservedly yeah. so.
0: Yeah. So this is not that. No, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I agree with you. I'm just asking.
1: <laughs> She's gonna win, and it's gonna be. I'm gonna be uh, uh, furious about it. I but don't was a nice get it.
0: scene, you know. I fully yeah.
1: don't get it. Anyway, we yeah. watched the holdovers the, the next night. We watched the Paul Giamatti oh, uh, the Christmas Giamatti. movie. Had you How seen you that like one?
0: That? I watched some of it. I need to watch the whole thing.
1: You do. This was a wonderful movie. This. Yeah. this It looked w- pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And uh, is it a revolutionary piece of filmmaking? Absolutely not. It tells a story that we've heard before. Yes. Here's the difference between Barbie and the Holdovers.
2: There's a lot of differences.
1: (laughs) The Holdovers, despite uh, dealing with sort of familiar tropes, much in the same way that the Barbie movie does, treats its characters like people and in the specificity of those characters reveals universal truths about the human condition." You know, like art should, it treats its characters with respect, respect enough for them to be likable and highly unlikable, for them to be interesting and complete human beings by the way that they are treated by the writers and the filmmakers, which is the opposite of the way that the characters in the Barbie movie are treated, which is like ideas uh, and, and, and only in the general, which reveals nothing. Uh, universal to the human condition but
2: isn't that the point of barbie that she's just an idea
1: and instead uh tells this specific point of view of of one idiot person's uh, politics or ideology which is by the way the opposite of art right but one of them is art and one of them is doing the opposite of art. And if your response to that is, well, but that's just what Barbies are and therefore they're doing the Barbie thing, well then you have failed to create meaningful art and all you've done is sold a plastic fucking doll. One of these under- one of these movies understands that all people are People, Right. That any person is capable of experiencing the full range of the human experience, whether it's the the sad black lady who had her child killed in Vietnam, uh, who's now the cook at the school, or whether it's the sad, lonely teacher guy who, uh, who who's been miserable his whole fucking life and everybody knows it but him, or whether it's the sad 16 or 17 year old kid who feels like he's been abandoned by the world. Those are all valid human experiences, whether they're white or black, whether they're male or female, they're all permitted to have full lives as human beings and because they, they all experience pain in the same way, even though one of them might in the, on the spectrum of privilege might have it a little bit easier in the grand scheme of things. We recognize that in the context of uh, human life, of, of the experience of a human life, that shit doesn't fucking matter. And that the experience of you as a valid human being is about you and your experience, and it's not about the external constraints put upon you by the people who are trying to tell your story or tell you that your story doesn't fucking matter because of the immutable characteristics that you bring to the table that the society has decided uh, define you. That matters. The rest is politics. Politics is not representative of life. The holdovers is representative of life in a way that matters. And then it frees you by virtue of being about human life. In the specificity of that experience of these characters, it tells you universal truths and then invites you as the viewer to figure out what else might be going on here in this world around them, right? So you can watch the holdovers and and you can say, I... I don't think that this was necessarily inserted by the filmmaker, but in every single scene, in every single way, uh, the the lives of these people as they're living, you can see uh, reflected in those lives the degradation of institutional trust that people have in important institutions that we used to trust and that we can't trust as much anymore, right? The experience of, of the the black lady cook who says—who uh, who, who went to work for this school so that he could— could get reduced tuition or a scholarship uh, to go to this uh, fancy prep school uh, so that he could then uh, hopefully get a really good education and then go on to college.
2: You didn't say her son. Her son, right.
1: So she works in the school so that her son can get a good education at the prep school so that hopefully he can be better prepared for the world. And the institutions fucking failed him because he wasn't able to get— Uh, enough tuition assistance to go to school so he was therefore drafted and he goes to Vietnam and he fucking dies whereas the white kids who had the exact same experience who aren't even necessarily as talented natively as he was uh, uh, relative to the way that they were born, uh, they get to go to fucking uh, Princeton or they get to go to fucking Cornell because uh, daddy can cut the check, right? And that's not fucking fair and that's a failure of our institutions uh, to treat people and to to elevate people in the way that they should be elevated and it's not fucking fair, right? Obviously. And then you have this other guy who uh, goes off to Harvard and gets unjustly accused of being a plagiarist and uh, ultimately gets kicked out of school because of it because the guy who accused him of being a plagiarist is a senator's fucking daddy. And, like, that's another critique of institutional failure in a way that matters. And then you have the young boy whose father is uh, institutionalized and can't be properly treated because of that. And that's another uh, failure of an institution that fucking matters. And then he he breaks... he pops his shoulder out and they have to go to the fucking hospital and they're worried that uh, by by filling out all this goddamn paperwork uh, uh, it's going to cause trouble. So instead they're like let's just pay cash. That is utterly inconceivable that a person now 50 years later could walk into a hospital and just hand over a couple of hundred dollars to get out of having to fill out a bunch of paperwork and raise a bunch of red flags that they don't want raised because the institutions have fucking collapsed in the last 50 years and that's just me having a stray thought after watching a deeply emotional and important movie about three human beings that uh, uh, invited me to interact with this piece of art in an interesting way that maybe wasn't even necessary certainly wasn't the text of the movie but was plausibly the subtext of the movie uh, in in an interesting way that uh, that has now stayed with me over the course of the last three days because it was art because it was something that it invited me to engage with rather than sitting me down and trying to tell me a lecture uh, based on a feminism 101 class that this person took or an understanding of what they thought the public would want to get out of a feminism 101 class because it's not it didn't even engage with the uh, conversation in the way that a feminism 101 class would have Uh, that went on way longer than i thought it would but the holdovers that's what you're like the holdovers is a great movie uh, that, that only by contrast with Barbie. It's just, it's just a good movie. I
2: it's smiled a, like 20% of the time. It's a
1: good movie for grown-ups to have an interesting experience with, which is uh, not what you can say about the billion-dollar-making Barbie. I encourage everyone to watch it.
0: <laughs> They're both, I mean, like I said, I'll watch the whole Holdovers movie, but the Barbie movie was what it was. I, it was enjoyable. I don't know what uh, what's wrong with that. It didn't need to be everything. It could just be a movie.
1: It doesn't need to be everything. You're absolutely right. One of them is art. One of them is attempting to engage the oh, viewer in already. interesting ways, and the other one is not. Uh, what is what the last The third last movie. One? Fucking
2: the... Saltburn. Oh, yeah. Then we the watched... interesting one. Then we
1: watched Saltburn.
0: Oh, boy. That movie.
2: Poof. It was great. That was great. You know <laughs> this what? Is the exact... You said it doesn't have to be anything. That's my What I said <laughs> exact... to maybe Bob, maybe Julia, what I liked is, is like, hey, here's a movie it's not garbage, but it's right. not amazing. Right. It's, it's just movie, yeah. here. Here's this. Loved it.
0: The uh, the the bathtub scene. I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, it's, I guess it, it speaks to this character when he started fucking the dirt. I was like, all right,
2: It's <laughs> a too little much. more fucked up, but like, <laughs> you, whatever.
1: I have no problem with a movie trying to uh, scandalize its audience, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make it a bad movie or anything like that. This was no, this that was, alone
0: is not. Yeah, does not make it bad. This
1: was, I thought, an interesting movie in the in a way that we don't often see in mainstream movie making anymore, right? You don't often get the grown-up art house sort of movie in a way that you might have 20 or 25 years ago. Or if you do, you certainly don't get it as part of a major... Uh, you don't
2: get it pretty.
1: ...major release was, from a big-time studio. You don't get
2: big-budget pretty. Yeah.
1: Right, and this was gorgeous. The movie was beautiful. It was well shot. It was, it was tremendously well-acted all around. Uh, that
2: by, Rosamund Pike, is that her name? Yeah, the
1: Gone Girl... She was
2: fucking incredible. The Gone
1: Girl chick uh, plays the mom in this movie and is just steals every scene. In a movie that is exquisitely acted throughout, she somehow stands out uh, above the rest. The kid who was in one of my other favorite movies from last year, Barry Keegan, he was in The Banshees of Inashirin last year. And he's in this.
0: Oh, yeah. He uh, asked the girl out and he killed himself uh, after not succeeding.
1: Was right. The one? What, a, what a terrific actor this kid is in the face. Like, he does a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. With the face that really works. He's a, a very good, uh, subtle actor. And I look forward to seeing him in things for many years to come. He's did... in the
0: uh, Masters of the Air, the, the new Apple show. Okay. Speaking in he, an English accent, you know. I'm
1: he also, or rather this movie, also commits what I see as an unforgivable sin in its you last five minutes. You and Roger Ebert
2: agreed on this.
1: Roger Ebert has been From dead a long time. The
2: other well, who, hey, I who did I just read?
1: I don't know, but Roger Ebert has been dead for some time now.
2: <laughs> like one more thing. Well, whoever's reviewing movies on RogerEbert.com, oh, Christy yeah, that's, Lemire,
1: that's just that being
2: my
0: plot of land,
1: a zombie website being kept alive by.
2: Well, someone agreed with you. The
1: Roger Ebert brand. I'm sure plenty of people agree with me. I yeah,
2: haven't... and some of us are not very smart. All right, so. so I'm trying to the, think what is the unforgivable.
1: So this movie, it goes through and it's it's telling you a story from the perspective of not knowing the inside of Barry Keegan's character's head, right? Like right. we are – we seem to be operating from essentially his point of view, but we are not given his internal life in any way, right? So we have to interpret what he's doing. In much the same fashion that the other characters in the movie are being tasked with interpreting his actions. And as it turns out, uh, spoilers here, if you'd like to stop and go uh, watch the movie, I think it's worth a watch. If you're a grown-up, it's on Amazon. Is it Prime? I think it's on Amazon.
2: We watched it on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I think it's available uh, for free if you're already a Prime subscriber. Or is it—are you sure it's not Peacock? Peacock. Holdovers was on Peacock. Holdovers was Peacock. If you want to go watch it, go watch it. But ultimately, the the big reveal at the end is that our main character here has been the bad guy all along. Orchestrating all of this. He's orchestrated the entire situation down to committing uh, multiple murders in order to get— what he wants from these people, which is, uh, he, he's, uh, the, the,
2: which is everything,
1: right? Which is just everything. The plot of the movie is that he's a middle-class guy who portrays himself as a slightly less than middle-class guy at Oxford and wants to be in the rich kids club with all of the, uh, legacy admissions to Oxford rather than, uh, being the smart kid from the suburbs or what have you. I'm um, using,
0: um, by the way, that, uh, the merit, the person that made it on their own is looked down on like, ah, oh. You try, yeah. Right, You're here because an, of interesting, that. an interesting,
1: an <laughs> interesting inversion of yeah. our sort of current political understanding of things, right? Yeah. Which is that we are supposed to be mad and want to eat the rich, but in this case, it turns out no, that we
2: uh, are the middle lower class. We do want to eat the rich. The rich do not want to be eaten.
1: It's not often that you would expect the sympathies of the modern cinema to align with the uh, one tenth of one percent, as they ultimately do in this.
0: Well, to be fair, he's fucking them over. I mean, <laughs> I'm not right. against the rich like that. Just
2: that those characters thats real life—is that the rich people look down upon the not rich people.
1: Right. Well, right, and in this case, for good reason, because Oliver yeah. decides to.
2: Well, most of us are murderers.
1: Right. So uh, Oliver kills Felix uh, with uh, cocaine, essentially. He then uh, stages the suicide of the sister. He then—I don't know if we're uh, supposed—the one thing I'm not clear on is if the dad actually killed himself or we didn't get confirmation that he might have played some role or if he felt that— He had pushed on that uh, falling tree enough already uh, for it to go over the rest of the way. And then he arranges it such that he ends up back in mom's life and ultimately uh, poisons and kills her as well. And the problem that I had is that in the final five minutes, we get the full-on flashback scene where we cut back to... Oh, how did he—he masterminded the flat tire so that uh, he would run into the Jacob Elordi Felix character at just the right moment so that he would then be able to uh, trade bikes with him and and weasel his way into the friend group that he otherwise didn't belong in. He pretended not to have the extra $50 to pay for the round of shots so that Felix would feel compelled to come over and do him a favor and therefore further bring him into the thing. Like, we don't— don't need if I mean I know that uh, I need uh, uh, here's the thing even if you are a viewer who does not somehow like Lori at the end of this movie suspect that Oliver has been masterminding or orchestrating all of this in some way just with the reveal of Of him being in that cafe at the exact right time and then goes on to kill. Like, I would have been fine with them being explicit with him going on to kill the Rosamund Pike character as they do if they had just left the flashbacks out. Right. I I would have loved the movie, I think, like 10 times more. If they had just let her die on the hospital bed without him doing the big dramatic, I'm going to rip the trach tube out of her and allow her to suffocate in front of me. Like I would have loved it if he was just sitting in that room giving his monologue about how much he did or didn't love Felix and then she flatlines and dies. And it's like, holy shit, did he or didn't he orchestrate this whole thing and then you can have a fucking conversation about it. It's an interesting movie to talk about if they don't spell out for you that he put a thumbtack in the guy's tire and then he was thumbing his money away so that you couldn't yeah. see. And then this and then that and he puts the fucking they do a shot of him gently placing the razor blades on the on the tub's edge where she's still swimming in a pool of her own blood. It's so completely unnecessary to handhold us in that way if you're going to uh uh, do the rest of the thing with the movie that's the unforgivable sin that's what takes it from a b plus a minus super interesting movie down to like to me a b minus c plus sort of thing that i won't have i will have such minimal interest in revisiting this movie uh again in the future whereas before i think i would have wanted to go back and rewatch it again uh to see what i missed the first time
0: if you didn't want viewers to be left uh to, to leave it like a, it could have gone either way. Like, if you wanted to drive the point home that he would be behind all of this, like, how would you substitute the hand holding scenes uh, with the flashbacks and everything? Like, how else? Like, he gonna say something, sort of callback to indicate he, whatever he was pretending to be, is not true. Like, there has to be some other scene, because this is not a big enough movie to where they, they did like a focus group and they're like, what the fuck is going on? And then are right, like, they added you, that part.
1: Didn't and then... you – you watched this movie. Did you not get yeah. to the end? And then before the big reveal, were you not already highly suspicious of whether – Yes, and-
0: highly suspicious So where I went before they spelled everything out was like he – Like, like, how far back did the, and then, oh, like it's the whole thing was a thing. Like,
1: but you just said. Right, but the, 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 them showing up and shoving the, the final piece of the puzzle into place for you, that didn't like, like if, if it satisfies in the moment, like if there's a momentary, like satisfying click of everything coming together. Does that justify taking away the question from you? I, I, and so it, it, for what, me, in this case, it absolutely does not.
2: What you just said about you'd want to revisit it, I wonder if—I know that I don't watch nearly as many things more than once as I used to, and maybe it's because I'm old and busy, but also maybe it's because there's so much shit we don't have as much time to rewatch things. So it it might be that they're making movies now never expecting you to give it more than a first glance.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: maybe. Because we just have too much stuff. Cuz like I I want to watch these movies over and over again but I don't have time because I need to watch the other
1: ones. Yeah. There's just there was something about like and that's the thing. It, it was so clever in its in its grammar and in its presentation and in its references that I thought all along that I knew not to trust this guy, right? It opens in salary fashion, right? with yeah. the guy direct to camera giving yeah. a confession of a sort, right? It's like, okay, I suspect that we have on our hands a bad guy who might be up to nefarious purposes here that was my impression because of my understanding of film history and 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 just the grammar of cinema right like you you knew right away that the that something was skewed here with this guy and and then you go and you watch the whole fucking movie and it and it justifies that because it's a really, really well done movie. But then to have them grab you by the hand and show you, look, number one was here and number two was here and there was number three. You were right, champ. You figured it out. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, fuck off. Get out of here. This was a great movie that you just fucking ruined for me. Why did you do that? Because there's, there's a legitimate couple of really fun moments, even though I saw them coming when he gets them into the car and he's like let's go see your parents it's like well uh fucking we're about to find out the jig is up here this this guy's dad's not dead and mom's not a fucking junkie that's for goddamn sure i don't know i
2: didn't i thought we were going to show up to a junkie woman's house like you're better at this than right but what i'm saying the
1: surprise of that that moment is like Holy shit, that's that's the moment where Edward Norton says uh, in Fight Club, oh, fuck. We
3: have just lost cabin pressure.
1: Like, uh, uh, the, the plane has lost uh, cabin pressure, and uh, the world has fallen out from under me, and you start putting the pieces together. That's the moment where you start figuring out that everything is not as it seems. Right. You do not need— uh, 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 further information than that, it just it just takes away something from the the interesting. I don't even mean revisit it in terms of. Uh, uh going back and watching it again i 'm thinking about the conversation from the theater seats uh to the parking lot and then home like what is the conversation you 're reduced to having a conversation about this movie to the extent that a conversation is being had about it it 's about the gross out stuff right. rather than it being an actually good movie it 's like boy that sure was gross when he slurped up the dirty bathwater and that sure was weird when he fucked the grave right like that 's all that anybody talks about when they talk know about what's this wrong movie with
2: me or what what's wrong with everything, but when I hear that there are, like, shocking, gross scenes in a movie, I was prepared for so much more than just that. And it's like, oh, oh, it's bath. It's bath water. It's fine. It's clean, basically. Yeah. Like, it's... People need to calm down. Is what I'm saying. Calm down.
1: Well, as as Savage said about that bathtub scene in particular, he's like, you know, why everybody is freaking out about the bathtub scene uh, is is just projection, right? Like the the. <laughs> the you're 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 raising much more of a stink about licking the dirty uh bathtub water than you are about fucking a grave because you can't see yourself ever going out into a wet field where someone has recently been buried and trying to fuck the ground but you fucking sickos can definitely see uh, when your horny brain takes over uh slurping up some disgusting bathwater uh, i
0: can't imagine that any, i mean I, I don't know about people's personal that's <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Like, people would want to do that. Uh,
1: the, the lady doth protest people, too much but there. People Abe.
2: are acting like it's the most shocking thing they've ever seen. And, like, it can't, it can't, it, it's not.
1: Right. No. Anyway. Uh, am I wrong to be that upset? About, I mean, I granted... You're wrong no, to be I mean, the amount cause I, cause of upset loved, that you
2: are about everything. I loved
1: the way it looked. I love that they that there's a very Barry Linden feel to it, because it's shot... First of all, it's shot in that aspect ratio that I'm just like makes that. everything bigger. Like, it's not it's not shot in portrait, exactly, but it is shot in 4x3, which uh, gives you the big postage stamp version of it, which doesn't act... I mean, it's hard to explain unless you actually know what you're talking about. And I only do to a, a small amount the aspect ratio of it's just this giant stamp of a of a square there he's obviously uh trying to recall kubrick uh in the way that this thing is shot the woman sorry i don't know who made this fucking movie they're trying to recall Kubrick in various ways. Again, I got a, a salary uh, from Amadeus feel uh, from the very beginning. Like, to me, it's informed by and trying to uh, uh, be in conversation with uh, much better, ultimately, movies. And to me, it was like this close. And except for that one thing at the end, it, it, it just sort of it, it takes the rug out from maybe me in a, a bad way. Maybe a director's
2: cut where they yeah. leave it out.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah, they'll have. Uh... Yeah, the little. Anyway, you didn't bit, like you didn't
1: like it as much. I, I take. I, it. No,
2: you know, I, I think just
0: I, I, I don't. Not that I need to relate to anybody. Just that guy who's like trying to like fucking ingratiate himself to like the the, the upper crust of these assholes or whatever. I just don't like. I, I I think it was. This may speak ill of me, but like when. Uh, His, like, roommate, like, another, like, out, like, like, when he was, like, he could have gotten into the group. Like, it was, like, hey, you helped me with the bike thing the other day. Come join. And, like, his buddies, I mean, they don't know each other that well. But, like, he just pretended he didn't know him. I was, like, this guy's a... Total piece of shit. Like you can't right. just wave him in. At least just for this one sitting, not in future sittings. You can't help him out. So I, I was. Uh, no, uh, they lost. Fond. They lost
1: you when he when yes, he I was like fuck this when guy. he said to and his then, autistic nerd friend to yes. like bugger off. Yeah. yeah,
0: I just told him fuck off, and I was like, you know, I don't like this guy. And then like you know, he did, when he did all the bad things, like oh, of course he would Ask do such me a thing. Some.
1: Yeah, that guy was a real psycho. I don't know why you feel bad about leaving that guy behind. That guy sucked. He
2: didn't know that.
1: Is that it? Is that all we got?
2: Yeah, we watched three movies. We in did. Two we watched days. three
1: movies. Uh, it's the beginning of my trying to watch all of the Oscar movies. Uh, the beginning of
2: my trying weeks. to watch movies that w- make me smile.
1: Now, uh, sadly, I don't think that Saltburn was nominated for anything, which surprises the shit out of me because it was beautifully shot and beautifully composed, and I would Cause have it thought
2: because these things are. Are almost random.
1: I know, but I, th- I would have thought that this was the sort of movie that would get a some sort of production design nod or or, or something. But uh, yeah. it, it would did shout not
0: out completely. That's interesting. I didn't.
1: Know. Unless they, I unless I missed it on try. the list somewhere. Yeah, they had also... to say
2: nominate me for an Oscar, and that's what I liked most about that movie is that it wasn't trying to be anything that it wasn't.
1: The performances were all spectacular, and the yeah. fact that none of the acting performances got nods uh, is a goddamn shame. Because I can't imagine that there were a, a whole ton better performances in movies this year. Uh, Roseman Pike
2: yeah, was a wins. hell of a lot
1: better than Amer- America Ferrera was in the she fucking wins Barbie
2: everything. movie.
1: That's for sure. Uh, but uh, th- we've now seen Barbie, the holdovers, and Oppenheimer of the uh, ten movies that have okay. been nominated for Best Picture.
2: How many weeks do we have left? Three, like five or six. It's like March. 10th. Five oh, or okay. six weeks. We yeah. get a while. That's right. It's March because I got COVID after the Oscars last year because it was also daylight savings time. So it was both the daylight savings time and the Oscars that and gave me COVID.
0: The Oscars have I've seen uh, the Oscars have been on as, as early as February, right? Like they, that's what it, I, I think don't know, of. I don't know what their calendar, how it works, but sometimes it's in late March. Sometimes it's in February. It's
1: yeah. I case. think right now, currently... March 10th! Currently, we have access to uh, Killers of the Flower Moon on Apple TV. I'm
2: not watching that.
1: And Maestro on Netflix. I don't want to so, watch that either. Yeah, look forward to... I, uh, I have
0: not seen Maestro either. That's like a Netflix thing, right?
1: Yeah, that's on Netflix. Uh, Lori's mother told us that she watched the first 20 minutes or so of... Maestro, hi mom, and was I'm
2: gonna make fun of you now.
1: I don't think she's listening. And was disappointed because she'd seen an interview with that Bradley Cooper who really sold it as, uh, as a really great picture. And that uh, people should uh, he's really excited to get people to go watch it because he spent the last five six years of his life focused on it and he's really proud of it and he's really excited for people to go see it. And she watched the first 20 minutes or so and is mystified. Uh, and disappointed by the fact that uh, he was so insistent that people go watch this movie. And I was like, so you're saying that the uh, the director and producer and writer and star <laughs> of this movie really wanted you to go watch it. And your, your complaint is that he was overselling it?
0: Uh, <laughs> because- Although... It- if you can if you can judge like a 2 hour plus movie like in tw- that 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 doesn't speak very well of that movie right i mean if it's just like oh god i, I can't sit through right more now, of I this no i
1: understand shit. Uh, uh not liking a movie that's fine i'm just surprised that to me it or would be you like think you get to me it a would be Bradley like you watching know? a a a burger king commercial and then going to pick up a whopper and being mad that it wasn't as good as it looked in the commercial like what are you are you 5 like what are you talking about uh, you know
0: Bradley is, Cooper, this, maybe he's like an honest broker, this is the thing. way maybe of the he world, tells you the truth. Like, oh, yeah. this third, maybe that's uh, move, it.
1: Maybe she know. has been steered correctly by yeah. Bradley Cooper before, and uh, he has now broken that trust, and uh, that's a shame. That's hard
0: to get that back
2: once it's broken.
1: Shame on you, Bradley Cooper, because as uh, Laurie will be quick to say, "Fool, full... Laurie's mother once." Shame on.
2: <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs>
1: Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time.
0: Later.
3: Anyway, it's it's an interesting podcast. I got to say, fuck you, Bob, you piece (laughs) of shit. The good and the bad. So the good... The, I, I love... I think Lori... So Lori's Laurie. the
0: filet. Oh. That's the filet?
3: Yeah. Lori's La- great. She doesn't know what she's talking about at times. But Lori's <laughs> <Laurie's laughs> great for the most part. She's the star. Bob's going to cut you. Girl, you, you, about
1: you about fucking oh, Coming after no, no, my girl, no, no, no. too?
3: Uh, uh, listen, listen, listen. She's the star of the show. But when it comes to like certain What's next, things. Maggie? You going to oh, shit on Papa uh, John's, too? Why you at I'm not shitting... Listen, I'm a big fan of... I'm a fan of Lori... Fuck Bob. Okay, let's just make that very clear. Oh, the
0: remix to the Uh, Fuck Simon track.
3: Yeah. Fuck Bob. Fuck Bob. But anyway, it was just it it was fun to listen to something different. How did they fucking talk about Taylor Swift, dog? She's America's sweetheart. You fucking asshole. I don't know
0: about that. No, she ain't a buffer sweetheart. She she's overexposed a little. You can agree. She she is a she is a little overexposed. But she making
3: some. She's showing it, making a whole. Oh man, a billion dollar tour. (laughs) Good lord i'm sorry i cut you off there any other uh shitting on bob thoughts no, no 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 other than that man uh thanks for listening bob you should listen to our show more often <laughs> you just shadow this nigga. please no, i'm telling him to listen to our fucking show so he can get better at his craft that's true that's true so man. So, so the good the good things let me just make this quick uh intro was much better the clarity of their show is much better uh, the downside is, Bob, uh, Ham starts off the show with this weird like, "Hi, Bob," or some shit that he does. Right. You know, what, <laughs> is, what is that <laughs> intro? Yep,
0: here we are. What doing is well, Bob? Yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> what the fuck?
3: What's wrong oh, with I, being? I, I what? Gotta look this shit. It's, uh, it's just weird because like one one show is so black and the other show is so white, <laughs> and then you know. <laughs> You know, I don't see race when it comes to have, podcasts, But William. but, but Ham is like an Oreo, like he kinda smushes <laughs> it together, you know, like this <laughs> If anything, black uh, I mean Bob is probably fun, blacker than fun, Ham is. Fun, Come fun. on, let's yeah. be honest. I'm sure of have, I'm sure he, he defended Martin Luther King. That's Come right. on, dog. that's pretty black of that's pretty black of that's pretty black or uh, you know, guilt white, white guilt, you know. So either way, there's still more black than what ham would've right.
0: so, <laughs> done. Shots fired, Bob. That's my filet.
2: First, which is a what? fucking bummer. Yeah. It Don't sucks. they
0: uh, work in a similar field? <laughs> Not that that's. I mean, that's a weird consideration. But like, <laughs> 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 withdraw that last thing. It's. <laughs> it's
2: a shame you can't use that. That's
1: so sad. Don't they work in a similar field? <laughs> the proceeding was created with one hundred percent human content.